It's the Saturday Friends Club. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Saturday Friends Club. Let's do it today, live studio audience. Uh, Yay! That that is Sabrina just wavering back and forth in her microphone. We're professionals. We do this for a living. Except we don't get paid for it. And we're in a horribly echoey room right now. Echo! Yes. Echo, echo. It is a free room. That is Sabrina. Over there is Eric. Yo. I'm Josh. And we have a distant friend. Yes. Because uh, you may have heard uh, we were were doing some audio and stuff from BabsCon. But specifically, we wanted to get one friend on here. His name is Dan. Hello. Dan the man. A great, a great man from the east. Greatest <laughs> <Yeah>. bearded man. <laughs> he came from Boston. Da, 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 da. I've descended from the mighty mountains to bring you a message. <laughs> What's the, all right. Well, what is it? Let's lay it on us. Um, I hadn't thought of it yet. <laughs> We're doomed. Doomed. <laughs> all right. But yeah, Dan has been a longtime friend of ours. Uh, definitely Eric's and, and ours as well. He's an artist friend uh, out of out of the, uh, the the Bostonish area, thereabouts. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Boston. Do you, do you Good have to like be a live. do you actually have like a web page or anything for your wares? Or, I do. I uh, do. Um, you should pimp that. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter, at Kefka Floyd. Um, I have an Etsy shop, etsy.com slash shop slash Kefka Floyd, I think. Mm-hmm. A DeviantArt, kefkafloyd.deviantart.com. You can look at my airplane pictures at dvincentphotography.com, <laughs> yes, which, it, are, which um, are quite nice. I have seen them. I think I've run out of things to pimp. Well, no, no, no. But I mean, like, explain explain the stuff that you have a little bit, because you do, like, you have I, I do art a whole variety as well of as... Stuff, yeah. yeah, so I... Uh, you know, uh, designer. I design things. You know, that might seem obvious, but some people need it explained to them. <laughs> um, basically, I you know do design and not. I don't think I'm that good of a drawer, but you know, I managed to get by. Yeah, and, uh, but you do you do artwork. You've got kind of these plastic design. cast laser cut. Yeah, but that's my new thing. That's my new shtick. You it's know, acrylic. Acry- La- oh, laser. Yes. The, He's preemptively stealing my joke. <laughs> you know, I was going to do it, but now I'm not going to do it. You guys are too much <laughs> on call, the same wavelength. We, we call it. You, you should have saw us at the Giants game yesterday. <laughs> we call it the Alan Parsons Project. <laughs> hey, no, Alan Parsons. See, that is a great oh freaking band. All right, some oh, sort of no, I need to go on about the turn of a friendly card okay? I, because that's oh, a great I, I, album. I have heard this rant. Yeah, he has heard this. Well, have you? Ever, I mean, you guys have all seen the Last Unicorn, right? You guys know the song that opens up in the beginning. America is playing the song, you know, The Last Unicorn. Well, that song, uh, a few years prior, um, uh, Turn of a Friendly Card came out by the Alan Parsons Project. Great album. And when you listen to the opening part of the suite of A Turn of a Friendly Card, you realize that it's the same damn song. Oh, you're right. Oh, hell no. It is. I will, when we're done with this, I will play it for you and you will understand that it is. I mean, I don't think they stole it, but I mean, it is very similar in terms of like structure and how it's Alan Parsons' project, but I think it's some sort of hovercraft. (laughs) (laughs) 
<sighs> but yeah, so yeah, I make these little. Right now, my current thing is I make these little light up laser uh, light stands, as I call them. And you got them for like My Little Pony and and uh, uh, Adventure Time, Adventure Time, Gravity Steven Falls. Universe, Gravity Falls. Yep, all sorts of and some video games and. You know, starting to branch out into uh, you know some other things too. I had an idea today. Oh, you know, did for, you? For was the, that new? It, it was new. I know <laughs> it's dangerous. I understand, <laughs> but it could work out for us. And uh, I mean, I know you guys like Rick and Morty, right? Yeah, I've unfortunately seen like one episode. No, we've seen more than one. We've seen like three episodes. Okay. I've also only seen like a, like a couple okay. Episodes. Well, we're like, horrible. We're we're horrific people. <laughs> okay, right. well. In any case, there's the Council of Ricks, and they have a logo. I think that would be cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was also thinking about doing like a Mr. Meesix and draw a Mr. See, they haven't oh, seen the episode. You know, you know what you should do? <laughs> MST3K logo. I don't think they have a logo. You could, no, you just do the Earth. You do the planet. You could also well, you could also just do the the outline of the of of uh, Mike and the bots, or or do the satellite of love. Oh, there we go. oh, oh, yeah, the bone. <laughs> just a damn bone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we have Dan on today. Dan is so the the topic of the that, show. Yeah, the topic for the show um, is is a good one because it's something that I have definitely wanted to delve into for a while. Um, but first, we have to have our pre-show discussion, oh, which we were talking about this, this is, in the car. This is before. where we get political. This guys. is where we start. I'm sorry, you know, it's it's an important issue. Everybody is losing their minds over this. Yeah, America. And Dan, America is split. Like people cannot agree. Um, huh, but, that sounds familiar. Yeah, Dan, your feeling of pineapple on pizza. Um, I've never gotten uh, pineapple on my pizza. If somebody serves me Hawaiian pizza, I pick all the pineapple off of it because See? I mean there's still ham on it. You cool know? guy, you know. I'm I'm of the opinion that I mean, if somebody really wants to put pineapple on their pizza, I mean that's their problem. I'm so, not going to stop them so from you're, doing so you're it. Not but I will be judging them yes. both silently and loudly. But it is true. He has not tried a pineapple pizza to actually... No, I've it. eaten pineapple on pizza and I don't like it. Okay, all right. It's, so you have had that. Sabrina, your feelings. I like it. Uh, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with everybody? Well, I mean, people like like putting a bunch of stupid crap on their pizza. Yeah. What about people putting anchovies on their pizza? I, that's why that's the butt of the joke. I would not put anchovies on a pizza See? and You're... i did try it once it's ridiculously salty yeah and salt I'm... is bad for you ergo don't put anchovies on pizza i, I think like we pineapple were... like a hawaiian pizza with pineapple and ham i think <laughs> tastes delicious or if you're from brazil california style actually it's <laughs> even better if it's ham pineapple and bacon mm. Mm. see all these at that point that's like two-thirds of a good pizza see my my problem with the Hawaiian pizza is just the the pineapple way too sweet. I didn't know that I was going to get outvoted in this episode. <laughs> You've been voted off the podcast. <laughs> Excuse me. You're the weakest link. <laughs> is it just because I'm a girl? No, it's because of your pizza choice. You know what? What I put in my mouth is none of your goddamn business. Oh, okay. Well, know. well, have we done any kind of you know scientifically rigorous polling on who likes now, these kinds of things? Well, on here, pizza? here's what I will say. Like, there is one instance where I could see a, a pineapple pizza being okay, but they're missing one important ingredient. Okay. So, a pineapple and cheese pizza, ugh, will not want. Too sweet, not my thing. Pineapple and and ham, which is the traditional Hawaiian, 
okay. You're adding a little salty in there, so you got a little salty and sweet, but usually still too much pineapple. You need something else to fight the flavor of the pineapple and kind of even everything out. Okay. That's when you add red onions. Hmm. Think about it. That would add just enough flavor, enough change to it. It's not like a white onion because it's going to have a little bit more tang to it. I think it will work. I mean, I can buy the argument. You know, it's that's a. I mean, the theory is sound. I just don't. <laughs> we think just the need practice to. We need will, to science this pizza. You, know, up. you need to science that pizza. I mean, I still like. Generally, I'm opposed to pineapple in general. So my oh okay. Aver- Wait a my second. aversion to pineapple on pizza is not just because it's on pizza. Oh, it's boy. because it's you just pineapple. Don't like, so somebody you comes. Just don't like pineapple. I mean, I like pineapple orange juice. But that's like, only just, because you like orange juice. Okay, that's true. That's true. <laughs> okay, but what are what are people's opinions on fruit salads? Not just like a salad with oh. just fruit in it, but it's it's a spinach salad with some apples or raisins and Good. shit in it with cheese. It's the same fucking shit. But it's not. <laughs> but it's not cooked and like swimming in its own yeah, grease. It doesn't. Ma- it's the same thing. There's meat in there. Like sometimes they put chicken. Then there's fruit in there. Then there's your leafy greens, and then there's cheese. Sometimes well, it's blue a lot cheese. Of those. Well, you know, as the bit goes, you know, this taco salad's got okay. ten thousand calories, the, the, but it's the, healthy. The, the it's worst, a salad, the worst it? fruit salad is the one that is a whole bunch of fruit, some Miracle Whip, and and like shredded pineapple. Oh, but that that's, that's not, not a fruit, fruit salad. salad. What that's, is that? That's ambrosia. Okay, well then mm. it's disgusting. There. That's not really a. What is that? Is that like canola? that is an ambrosia I, salad? I will say I really like pineapple, and my aversion to to Hawaiian pizza is that once you cook the pineapple, it like loses a lot you of. You don't magic. put the pineapple on before you cook the pizza. Well, but that's how it's served. That's what every like every I've never had it. That's they've like freshly got nice like sliced uh, pineapple on it. You put you. I would put the like the diced. You remove the pizza from the oven. As it's sitting, you put diced pineapple on top of it. The pizza's only going to be sitting for a little bit. The pineapple's not going to cook through. Well, it's just going to be warm at okay. best. So, well, see, now this is the opportunity. If I have the opportunity to make my own pizza, I'm making the one true pizza, which is like olive, bell pepper, onion, sausage. You do that. Well, here's an idea. Two, two ideas that I had. So, we, we talked about the onion. What if you saw before sautéed the pineapple and the onion with no. like some garlic? No. No? Cooking Gar- You're cooking the pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you just want to raw dog that? It's like, why would you <laughs> In cook so a pineapple? In so many words. <laughs> um, all right. Well, well here's the other thing. Upside, there's pineapple upside down, Kate. Well, what that's if true. you what if that's you different than sweet. What if you use dried pineapple? Like a fruit cake? No, I'm not, a, I'm not putting a slice of fruit cake on a pizza. And I mean, like, dehydrated pieces. Like and put that on the pizza? Yeah. That's even I think, worse. Yeah, that would be worse. Really? That's yeah. worse. I've never tried that, but it I, does I got a cheese pizza, and I put some dried Dry rations on it. On it. <laughs> <laughs> I dried these on the engine mm. compartment. I put some space ice cream on this. <laughs> I don't know how they do things in Georgia. <laughs> Uh, you used to be like Zap Rousdower and just like cook stuff like on your on your like hot engine. Like, why not? It's there. <laughs> Keep it going. All right, Dan. Yes, uh, I f- believe that we've reached no consensus on pizza. Then the the well, I mean the room sounds on. evenly split because we have uh, Sabrina in favor of pineapple on pizza. We have Eric in favor. Of, well. Not in favor, but he does like pineapple. I want to science it some more. I'm not in favor, but I want to science it some more. I'm not in favor completely, so I mean, it's three to one. We actually do have a nice, like, yeah, we have a a nice variety of... 
I think it's like well one one in general support, and then we have a couple like like I'm like completely no right. Not, okay, so, I mean, so um, Josh's yes, idea sounds interesting, but I bet I'm still so not going to. Yes, work. no, and then we each have like conditional like science this. So. Yeah, because yeah, the only other per- okay, I have a coworker, and she likes to order the pineapple pizza from Mountain Mike's, but she's funny. Because she actually removes the actual pieces of pineapple from it because she likes the sweetness it adds to it, but she doesn't actually like eating the pineapple that's on fair. it. I could see that. I, okay. That's yeah. fair. So you just you would <laughs> you would then just cook it in pineapple juice. Basically, yeah. I just Put like a little pineapple juice in the sauce. I just don't like the idea of like eating pineapple that's just like oh, also coated in like, I, grease. I got the best idea. Instead of doing the entire thing covered in pineapple, you just put a ring right there in the middle so that way you slice it, you got a piece of pineapple right at the front. Sure. See? And it's I mean, pretty. Here's the thing about well, pineapple Well, we solved this pizza. issue. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about pineapple on pizza is because as far as I know, you don't put other fruits on pizzas. No, that's no, true. No, it's just the pineapple. It's just uh, pineapple. It depends if you believe tomatoes are fruit. Yes, but that's we're talking something say, uh, sweet. Yeah, you know? but this is America, so. <laughs> like, people don't put apples on their pizza. That's true. Dessert pizza. The dessert pizza is different, though. That's not dessert. a pizza pizza. Yeah, dessert pizzas. I wonder. What Brought to you by Little Caesars. <laughs> Go to Caesars. Oh my god! To put pineapple on pizza, though. Like, what? What's the story? What some is the history? Th- or some of person, pineapple pizza? Some person thought said, "Hey, you know." It's like, you know, uh, two guys in a car racing at each other. The car crashes, and one guy had a jar of peanut butter, and the other had a chocolate <laughs> bar. And they go through the windshield, and they get together, and all comes oh, Officer like Reese's. <laughs> Officer <laughs> Reese's comes up and goes like, this is a hell of an accident. That's a hell of a flavor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to make a, I want to make a pizza that reminds me of Hawaii. Okay, okay. So, so what <laughs> exactly could I like do to make a pizza of Hawaiian? I'm like, I, I don't, don't think know. Italians what? invented Hawaiian pizza. What? I, okay, I'm just making up a voice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so what's Italian? What's <laughs> Hawaiian? What, what's Hawaiian? Okay. <laughs> uh, pineapples are Hawaiian. Okay. You know, I can actually I, buy I, some bozo from Brooklyn. Inventing. I, I like pizza. this. I like this Brooklyn Italian part <laughs> Japanese person. <laughs> Japanese. Like, uh, there was a little bit of like, what? I'm just making up a voice. I don't know what I I'm know. doing. Okay. I, okay. I am from space, and I have invented this pizza. <laughs> space pizza. Greetings. This is the this is the space yeah. language. Okay, so and how come pineapple is Hawaiian? So um, I'm gonna put pineapple in this pizza. I'm gonna call Hawaii pizza, and it's gonna be the greatest thing ever invented. <laughs> how come there's Hawaiian pizza, and like we don't? Th- I mean, well, I guess there is like New York pie, you know, but you don't really think of, you know. Well, I'm, no, I'm completely wrong. I was about. I was, I was like Chicago with, deep dish, <laughs> which, which is gross and an abomination. Of yeah, demand. New York pizza. I heard no, I heard if you go to Chicago and get I, a real yeah, Chicago deep yeah, dish, it's actually really good. You know who says that? People from Chicago. No, people who no, because I had two. There. I had two different groups of people go to Chicago and say they love the deep dish there. And both of them were YouTubers making videos. No, okay. I wasn't even including I bet it was them. The, okay. people I actually knew. Dames. I think what I meant was like. Uh, I mean, you think of New York pie, and you think of Chicago, but you don't think of toppings. You think of, like, the dough style. Right. You know, you don't think of, like, um, and Sicilian pizza, you know, it's a style of the actual cooking of the pizza. Right. It's not what's on the pizza. 
you know, because a Hawaiian is the only one I can think of that's really like associated with that topping that's combos true. associated right. with that well, place. It's as like, far as I know, there could be stuff that I don't know. Well, but. it's like for like random shit, like uh, burgers or or sandwiches. That it's like all of a sudden, oh, it's a California burger because we put avocado on. You all put of avocados on everything. But it's like, why Gross. does that make it Californian? Avocados because you guys like, have tons of avocados. But avocados didn't originate I, in California. And I wish we did. That's true. You know, that's a good point. <laughs> they didn't. Like we, yeah, we brought them they up. They came from Mexico, them. right? Yeah. Yeah. And most of them come from Mexico, and most of them are uh, are involved with gangs. Brought to you by avocados from Mexico. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to tell you that most of your avocados are gang avocados. I, I, I have a personal vendetta against uh, local California avocados. One for, I think they're nasty, but also there's a very popular brand of avocado, which is very close to my last name, and is the way that most people misspell my last name. So, so is it screwing up your Google searches? Like, what's no, going it's on? Like if I if I like if I have to tell my name like to someone for anything, it's like they start spelling it, and like my last name has four letters in it, and they cannot get it right, and it's like they spell it this way. It's, I think it's because of those damn avocados. Oh my! Well, it's like God. it's not pronounced avocados; it's avocados. <laughs> <laughs> avocados. Either way, also I think avocados are like. No, not a fan. Guacamole is fine. They're fine, like topics, but the people are just like, I want a big slice of this green slime on my sandwich. We like, will, these chips go well, great with guacamole. You know what we do? We take a slice of avocado, put an egg in it, bake it. It's all right. I no, I'll I'll eat it right. raw and just put some pepper and salt okay. on it, and that tastes really good to me. When you think an avocado would be like a natural topping delivery mechanism, because when you split it and take the pit out, you got that like you know little, little thing, yeah. Yeah, just lick it right out of that peel. It's like a big edible spoon, kind of. Yeah. If you could bu- attempt to eat half of a whole avocado. Well, then you still have the skin. They can't eat that. Well, you, have, you peel the skin first. I bet Pete would Here's try and find a way I don't to eat use guacamole. <laughs> All right, I'm going I'm to move this around. I think Pete would find a way to eat the whole avocado. Which Pete? It's little Pete. Oh, little yeah. Pete, of course. Big Pete wouldn't try that. Maybe never know. A big Pete can be adventurous when he wants to be. He's but more interested in girls right now. He is. He's constantly interested in Ellen until Ellen says no. All right, so uh, we got Dan here because he's going to help us out with the adventures of Pete and Pete. I have some no, more things no, to talk no. about pizza. No, we're going to... the intro! you look at I can't even say the Hey Sandy, na 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 na. Hey Sandy, do 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 do. I'm glad you don't understand what they're saying either. <laughs> I don't know what they're saying. All because yeah. your dog bite. Hey Sandy, that's the only line I know from this. Yeah, because we 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 could not understand what they were it's saying. That's the, the point. It's you know, it's early '90s. It's '90s, grunge. like not quite grunt. Yeah, it's. It's like they got that Nirvana well, just like incomprehensibility. Pete, Pete has a lot of indie music influence as we were. Oh, this this show is indie as hell. Like before indie was indie. Yes, we didn't appreciate it at the time, but like whoa. Like indie is circular. Like you go yes. you start indie and then you become not indie, but then you come back around to being indie again. Yeah, this yeah. show was indie before it was cool. <laughs> it's such a bizarre show. Like oh, I grew this. up going like I don't I want to get this, but I don't. <laughs> I didn't get it, but I thought it was funny, and I remember it, and just like, 
oh, that show was really weird. I never appreciated it at the time. I don't think anybody ever at, at no. the time, like if you were in the you know nine to twelve target age group that the show was for, I don't think anybody really got it per se because the, they were operating really on right. two levels with it. But you grew to accept that other level, and if you managed to figure out that other level while it was on, then you were on to something. I think like I, I thought about this, like what is the way to like I would explain this show in a succinct way, and I think what it is is Pete and Pete feels like it's it's like Big Pete is almost like the narrator sort of, but he's also yes. in it. I it feels like this is what uh, this is a kid of that age trying to explain things that happened to him in the past, like, based mm. on, like, a kid's kind of internal logic. Like, oh, this was why things were going on. It's like, because everyone in the show is insane. And yes. it's like, the, it, everything operates off of its own, this own bizarre, but, like, weirdly, inherent, in, like, internally consistent logic. And it feels like this is, like, this is, like, what a kid thought the world worked like, and this is, like, them, like, rationalizing... Mm-hmm. This kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's it's the 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 best is example for me on that was just like keeping watch by standing at the top of a diving board. <laughs> it's just like it, it's a tall place. I can see a lot from there, so I, I'd obviously be able to see the entire world from the top of that diving or board, or at least the town. Yeah, I've I've rewatched. I, I've seen Pete and Pete like episodes like every once in a while, but since we watched it for this show, I think the the scene that really jumped out at me was little Pete like the first moments he's discovering the world when he's homesick. On the episode "Sick Day," and he's talking about like all the things you notice. You you only notice when you're home from school in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Like that's one hundred percent. Like that's a, like a mindset that I think most kids understand. Like it's a weird world that like you don't ever aware of because you're in school. And then like all like what are all the people who like do stuff during the day while you're at school? Like oh well, they're all insane. Well, let's let's settle this real quick. So we gave Dan the impossible task of right. giving us episodes. It was a very yeah. difficult. Well, even before we get to that, like um, one thing I was thinking about talking about was like, uh, and now because you had mentioned it, and now it's just completely gone out of my brain. The uh, but, like, diving board, actually, like well, kind of like the history, you know, just a, like a brief history of oh, like, sure. how Pete and Pete came to be. Oh, yeah, certainly because. You know, Pete and Pete, when it first started, was just these, like, 60-second shorts that oh. Nick would put on in between other things. It was like a bumper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And exactly. it, it explained some stuff. It explained, like, the mom <laughs> with the plate in her head. Oh, yeah. Well, it, yeah. So, like, it started with uh, each of these little segments were 60 seconds long. It dealt with, like, Big Pete or Little Pete with one of his family members or something else. And a lot of the material that was actually in these shorts would end up becoming part of, like, later episodes so after they did those i forget how many of the shorts they did they decided to go and do like a specials and those specials would be the pilot for what ended up being the series so i want to say the first special was what i did on my summer vacation Mm -hmm. which is the one everybody knows about because that's the episode with mr tasty right yep so uh, that that came out and then i think they uh, like three months later they did another special which was uh, Apocalypse Pete, which we will be talking about in oh, detail. Yes. And then they actually had the series start from there. And then the series went on for like three seasons until it was unceremoniously canceled in 1996. How many of you remember the movie Snow Day? No. None of you. How many did you know that that movie was actually going to be a Pete and Pete movie? Oh. 
Did what? not know that either. It, it was going to be that until, for some reason, they couldn't do it, so they had to scrub out everything that was Pete and Pete. Oh, that's but if you weird. watch it, there's still some it's, there's still some bits. Yeah, there's like the vestiges of it. Yeah. Oh, that's bizarre. Yeah. So that's the like the basic history of you know it came and went. It was only around you know 1992 through 1996. That was it. You know, and then it stopped, and then. Who, who do we have outside trying it's to summon? the summit? people that were cosplaying Charlie and the Oh, and the okay. We have some unicorns. Charlie and the uh, yeah. unicorn cosplayers. They were particularly annoying. <laughs> annoying cosplayers. What else? Yeah. Well, that was the point of Charlie the yeah. unicorn. Yeah. So. yeah. Being I, annoying. I, it was funny you mentioned that. I think I, I also have a way, like, especially the, that episode, like what I did my summer vacation, felt like it's very like if, if Ray Bradbury wrote like a kid's comedy. Yeah, that's it's a lot of what this a little show is a like. little Bradbury like dandelion wine with a weird comedic twist <laughs> is what a lot of this show feels like sometimes, especially in like how it's actually put together with its characters. <laughs> so to give a quick rundown of the premise of the show, The Adventures of Pete and Pete stars two brothers, Pete Wrigley and Pete Wrigley, that we colloquially refer to as Big Pete and Little Pete. Big Pete is played by Michael Morona, a guy you might remember as an extra from the Home Alone movies. Yes. <laughs> Tall, kind of uh, red hair, you know. Big Pete is often the framer of the episode, acting as a narrator, omniscient or not, in some cases. Um, and then you have his younger brother, Little Pete, played by Danny Tamborelli, who you might know as an occasional guest on um, Figure It Out, I think it was. And then he was on um, All That for a while and then he kind of went out into obscurity and nowadays he's playing bass in a band and he's having some success with that so good on you Danny Tamborelli um so basically it's the these two brothers you know interacting with themselves and their family and the world at large with their family you've got mom Joyce played by an actress whose name I can't remember because I don't have IMDB up in here because I'm yeah, let oh. me find. I might have that. Well, while I'm describing the characters, uh, we are prepared. He is he is going to do that. And mom, you know, is your average American mom, you know, except she has a metal plate in her head Which from an I, accident. I, when she I forgot youth. how much that is a plot device. Yes, that gets used <laughs> quite a bit. You know, at first it was just a gag in the shorts. You know, right. so a one-off gag. Was like, no, we're actually going to go and put it in everything and it. Factors in considerably into, like, Apocalypse Pete, for example. Um, then you have Dad, um, who's... I'm actually forgetting his name now. I'm sure I wrote it in the show notes. Um, dad is, uh, you know, kind of a classic, balding American dad. I liked Dad a lot because he reminded me of my dad. They actually looked very much alike, oh, okay. although my... Although, my dad uh, tended to get his hair cut more frequently than Mr. Wrigley. Yes. But, uh, if uh, done by Hardy Rawls. Hardy Rawls, yes, who was a Maytag Hardy. man for a while. Yep, and uh, the, the Joyce is Judy Graff. Judy Graff, that's right. What a great name. And you, you did forget one member of the family. I haven't, uh, we just did uh, the two Pete's mom, dad. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> We haven't gone through the whole credits. Okay. Because All right. We, Damn. All right. Let's go. Because, well, we... Uh, what he is, this is only an hour-long podcast. I wish... Okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, he, what he was so slightly referring to was Petunia, uh, Little Pete's... Um, 
this woman that has been tattooed onto his arm. I don't know what state Wellsville is in. It's the sideburn state, apparently. But in Massachusetts, you can't get a tattoo unless you're over 18. Who the hell allowed little Pete to get a tattoo? So they never explained where the never explained. No, that's just 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 accepted. It's just there. It was a it was a Mother's Day gift. Well, like half of the thing that makes Pete and Pete great is just that stuff. They just either don't explain it, or it's just this one line throwaway that you're not expected to follow up on. Yeah, I think I think I remember us having a discussion this show. Like, and this show is like it's it's like that. There's it just obeys this kind of internal, like everything is t- like it's just taken for granted. Yes, okay, like Artie. Artie, Artie, yes. Artie is a perfect example. He's, He's the strongest he- man in the world. world. Played by Toby Huss, who you might better know as Cotton Hill or yeah. General Tracer on yeah, we, uh, the Venture Brothers. We were doing a little uh, like review before this episode, and we found like, <laughs> oh man, he is working. And like I remember all, him also because he's, he's an episode of Seinfeld, in which he plays a very Artie-esque character. <laughs> But the thing about Artie is that Artie claims to be a superhero. He is the strongest man in the world. And because he is the strongest man in the world, it only works because everybody in Wellsville believes it. If people stopped believing that Artie was the strongest man, you know, the show is very ambiguous about the feats that he pulls. But, you know, we'll get into that because he does a very good feat in one of the episodes. It's it's weird. Yeah, and he's framed as he's the town superhero. Yes. Which is, again, implying that all the other towns are superheroes. And that's that's just, like, another construct of the show. Like, this is the kids' (laughs) reality. Like, oh, yeah, of course, they're superheroes. And we've got a local one, and he's a cool guy. And like yeah, and he's he's a major <laughs> character in this show. Yes, he is. So uh, we one person that we do need to cover is uh, Big Pete's best friend. Yeah, yes, Ellen, played by a woman whose name I can't. Remember. That would be Allison Finelli. And what else has Allison Finelli done? I, I do not have the <laughs> no, internet that, version that, of that, I am. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I picked up as a kid. Like, obviously, because I'm like six. But like, I think it's interesting that the part of the show is framed around like. His like platonic friendship with this like this girl in his school, in his neighborhood. But there's always that tension there. There's a little tension, but I, I think it's inter- like that's an interesting tack for them to have taken. It feels like if most other shows, it's just like well, because she's a girl and she's a friend, but, but not is a, she a girlfriend, right? Yeah. But so I think that was also like coming back like oh that's that's interesting because most of their shows it would just be the girl he's interested in and then they like get together at the end, but like no, it's like. You see, like, the post of that. Yes. Which is interesting. Yes. So, and her father is Steve Buscemi. Yes, her yes. father is Steve Buscemi, and that's, that's amazing. Uh, other, people <laughs> that, other people of note that are here, uh, Nona. Yep, Michelle Trachtenberg. Yep, she is definitely. And here's little Pete's best friend. Uh, let's see. We've got some other ones that we might as well Endl- meet. I uh, mean, Endless Mike, who <laughs> I specifically avoided episodes about Endless Mike, even though I think Endless Mike is an integral part of the oh, yeah, show. Yeah. You know, he he just consumes everything. Like, if we did an Endless Mike episode, we would only be talking about I, Endless He's Mike. another, like, he, again, he, he's, like, is, he's like Big Pete's bully. Yes. But he's also, like, this is, again, this is a person that you as a kid would have three of Like, he's just a bully. He's just always there. Like... He never goes away. He's just always the same. He's just this malignant force, which is like always kind of looming over you. And then you've got like uh, uh, bus driver Stu. <laughs> Chris okay, the Elliott. bus driver was really awesome. We, he was we, great. Uh, we didn't even do the best one. We didn't even do Dust Bus. Dust, yeah, well, Dust Bus is great, but like it's. 
That can be an extra credit, guys. Basically, oh, the entire God. series yeah. is up on YouTube. Go watch yes. it. Which, which is what? We need to say the four that we covered. Yes. So the four episodes that I chose of this impossible list. Yeah. The first one is Apocalypse Pete, which is, I mean, for me, just absolute classic episode. Yeah, yeah. Next would be King of the Road, which technically comes before Apocalypse Pete, but when I was thinking of it, that's what I did. Um, let's see. We also have Inspector 34 which, and oh, man, Sick was, Day. Yes. So those are the four episodes. Um, if you have, want an extra credit episode, I would recommend X equals Y. And I would have liked to included it if we could do five. But the main thing, it's an Ellen episode. You know, I will say up and front. You, and you choose that over Day of the Dot? Oh, look at that. Now you're, now you're doubling on this. Watch both of them. <laughs> it's, well, because the, with these episodes that I picked out, I felt that it was a pretty good breadth of the series. Like, it gives you a lot of the flavors of the various, you know, from the specials through season one through right. season two and so forth. And, you know, I will admit that we have two very Little Pete-focused episodes in Inspector 34 and Sick Day. But they aren't the They're best. so good. So we, we will forgive that they were mostly Little Pete-focused. Whereas King of the Road and Apocalypse Pete are much more family-focused. Right. You know? I had completely forgotten about King of the Road until I rewatched it. Like, oh, I remember this episode. And just like, yes. oh, this is like, like this is a great, like, just dad episode. Yes. It, it, well, that's one reason I picked King it. Fra- because, King of Fraud. You know, <laughs> that, that episode, again, very dad-centric, yes. you know. Um, Mr. Wrigley... He really had a great character arc in that episode. All right. Well, yeah. how do you want to start us off? Which one you want to start do? with? Apocalypse Pete, because Apocalypse God Pete. damn it, that's what we're gonna do. That I like. I remember watching this re- like not before this podcast, but like this. The intro of this episode makes me laugh so hard, <laughs> because it's well, the it's episode is framed unexplained. like usual. Big Pete is narrating the episode. He's the framer, and it starts off in media res. We're starting off, and we see this radio-controlled NASCAR car careening off a cliff and exploding. <laughs> well, and we're and like, it, oh boy, what are we going to get into? Well, and he says, like, something happened that day. Some would call it a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> the car is like, this exploding. And I didn't even notice. I didn't even notice. I thought that that was an actual car just because the, like, the distance was so off that I was just like, whoa. Well, the that production, was the point. That was, it was supposed to do. The production values kicked up. Yeah. Exactly. This episode, like you said, this. This is interesting saying this is one of the like the very first ones. Yeah, this was a special. Well, this is a special because like they they too kind of like they, they violate their laws of reality in which they just construct that command center with like radar and other stuff. Yeah, like who? How did little <laughs> Pete get all the money to construct this command? It's just center? They, again, it's like how much of the show is like is just meant to be like narrative causality or it's just yes. Like did the, like and this is like a kid explaining something that happened and he's like. Consciously there, and subconsciously adding to it. I would say there's a little bit of cartoon to a lot of this. Yeah, because there definitely were a lot of times where I was like, what? I had to, <laughs> we had to take moments and take breaks where she was just like, this makes no sense. That's the point. It's not supposed to make well, sense. And that's great because the show sometimes takes itself seriously and other times it's willing to do like Looney Tunes kind of stuff like that. Yes. And so it contributes to this very surreal atmosphere. 
that kind of permeates the entire show. So, the, so do you want to just go over the basis of the episode? Yeah, basically the 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 plot of the episode is that Don Wrigley, you know, American man, you know, king of the family who does all he can to provide is in a deep bitter feud with next door neighbor Mr. Hickle and unfortunately Steve Buscemi. Yes, Steve Buscemi is uh, well, we didn't say it was important because well, we did earlier, but Mr. Hickle is coincidentally Ellen's father. Right. And this war between Don Wrigley and Mr. Hickle comes at a head and pre- and is preventing uh, the friendship of Ellen and Big Pete. So this is causing a lot of rifts between both of the families because the fam- they clearly love each other. And I unfortunately I can't remember because I didn't rewatch anything else with Ellen's family. It's been a long time. I can't. What is Ellen's mom's situation? I, I don't can't know. remember it. No clue. I can't. It's I. Ha, I did not rewatch X equals Y, which Steve Buscemi is in, or Day of the Dot, which I also believe Steve Buscemi is still in. I don't recall anything about Mrs. Hickle if she still exists or if anything. But basically, you know, the relationship between a father and a daughter, you know, and as well as you know, a son and his dad, and that's really what the emotional you know, core of the episode is, is about. But, I mean, Steve Buscemi, guys. Yeah. He's just, he's just like, I, it might just be us at this point in, like, you know, the year of our Lord 2017, but, like, his presence in and of itself is a punchline now. It's much, it's similar to Christopher Walken. Sure. Like, I mean, they're both serious actors. They do serious stuff, but it's oh, just like, man. Hey, and now I really Christopher wish Walken. Christopher Walken just be like, hello, I'm the crossing guard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your new teacher. Well, the laundry. A little Cool J couldn't make it today. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing was, is like when this show was on. This like 1991, probably when they filmed oh, yeah. it. Steve Buscemi didn't have anything. Like his first breakout role wasn't it Con Air? Probably. Pretty what sure that it? was like 1995. Whoa. Holy shit! I it was. I'm trying to think if he had something. Be- I'm pretty sure he had something before Con Air that Ooh. like sort of raised him. But like for me, when I watched the show, you know, I didn't know who Steve Buscemi was. No, he was, I didn't he was nobody. You know, people, Steve Buscemi didn't really enter the public consciousness until Con Air. Well, I'd say that then, was, I think I his think, first memorable role. Oh no, the Big Lebowski. Did, did the Big Lebowski come before or after Con It's Air? after, but I think that's his most... I would say he most people know of as Donnie. He was in Reservoir Dogs, apparently. Yeah, I think that was only just, like, very brief, though. Okay. But okay. I think... I would I would, I would, would argue most people know him as Donnie. Of course. So, But, but that was several years after Con Air. Yeah. I, which is... Not, I'm glad someone got out of Con Air unscathed. Let's yep. see. What's the first thing that I actually... Because that's Cage on the downslide. Yeah. And Ellen makes this lovely action figure of her dad. I like it. You know, that cut made me laugh really hard. Like, she's she's painting the action figure of her dad to put in the car, and it pans over, and he's posed like an action yes, figure, the wearing same. the identical outfit. Like, how do I look, honey? <laughs> I know. And so we get in... Um, something I've noticed about this show is that... It, there's no consistency at all no. paid attention to, well, to a lot of things, but to cars. But they clearly know what they're doing with cars because th- these episodes have several automotive bits in them. So in each episode, Don Wrigley is driving a different car. Yeah, okay? that's true. Yeah. So in this, he's – and these two were, as far as I know, this and King of the Road were done pretty close to each other. So in this, Don is racing his 1988 Dodge Aries <laughs> – a K car, you know, a reliant <laughs> automobile. <laughs> yeah. 
With 12, like, yeah, 12 moving parts. Yes, exactly. And could only was one of the slowest cars. Too, but you got to give it credit. It was an Aries wagon. Okay? So, you Is know. Is there a regular car review episode about that? I'm pretty sure they've done a K car or no. something similar. But he's done, you know, K platform cars like the Chrysler New Yorker. But, you know, here we go. Like, this car, the fact that Steve Buscemi was able to make uh, this radio-controlled car keep up with, a fair, uh, admittedly of its time, fairly slow station wagon is but, still, you know. And by the way, did you know, did you also know somebody growing up that was had, like, a major, like, fixation I had, on, like. No, but, like, model, co- like, the, the. Radio controlled cars. Yeah, because uh, I totally knew somebody like, oh yeah, we you know he he took it down to a track that was by this you know grocery mm-hmm. store every weekend, and I'm like, this is a thing adults do. Oh, I, I never <laughs> thought that was weird because my family raced radio controlled airplanes, and like my dad did like Warbird and Pylon racing and stuff. So like radio controlled yeah. cars, were boring. Um, and eight and air and K platform cars never had turbocharged V8s. Sorry, show. Connor is 1997, but he was in Fargo in 1996. Okay, yeah, Fargo. He, his oh, bit in Fargo was definitely very. Uh, very that probably is what put him on the map. There you go. Okay, yeah. Because if it was Conair, like wow. Okay. Yeah, I like Conair. Well, uh, it's. I, Fun. Another oddity that's inside of there, Martin Donovan is also in the yeah. episode as the crossing guard. Yes. And he's also, he's been in Ant-Man, Insomnia, Weeds, uh, a few different, like, movies. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. He's the, he's the odd stopping hot stuff. <laughs> so, you know, they're getting in fights. So now, you know, they've had this race. They're getting in fights. And... You know, what happens is, you know... Prank war. Prank war, because little Pete decides that he's taking it but too far. This is war, blowhole! You know, because little Pete wants dad, you know, Don Wrigley, to think that little Pete is an acceptable son. So he goes and does something like rigging the thing to explode. Well, and the thing being the guy's car that he's the, they, they established that, like They established like, the conflict of the episode is that, like... Little Pete is this kind of free spirit, and yes. his dad doesn't understand him. Yes. And so, but Little Pete tries to, like, you know, to find common with ground his with, his, with yeah. his dad. Yeah. And so that's the genesis of, like, they, they, they go into the father-son prank war. Yes. So, and it just keeps escalating and escalating. So, Steve Buscemi starts out with, you know, playing a very obvious off-brand Mississippi Queen. Yeah, can we talk about that? Like, we, can all, we can I, We can talk about Marmalade Cream. I, I looked that up, and I'm like, okay, does this, this is a real song, clearly. Like, no, no, they made this for this show. Like, they made this kind of, like, not quite Zeppelin, like... Well, I mean, it's Mississippi Queen, except it's not. It's, yeah, it's like, it's tripped up there. It's you know marmalade cream, and, and he does this so by sweet in between. by pushing the radio signal it, into mom's head. Yeah, in a nod to I love Lu- uh, nah, to Lucy, you know Lucille Ball, thinking she can hear the CIA in her teeth. Oh, mm-hmm. is that? Oh, okay. I thought that was just. This. So I mean, that's pure torture. Just taking the best of. Well, I mean, I like the seventies, but you know. <laughs> For perhaps you know maybe Joyce is not a fan of the seventies. Maybe she had a rough time in the nineteen seventies before she met Don. Who the hell knows? Well, they established like fourteen straight days of marmalade yes. cream. Just I mean, anybody would get tired of the song after fourteen days, right? <laughs> you know. I don't, so I there, so there's the prank war. The, that's kind of hard to follow because there's just so many additional pranks. Well, I, I mean, think the, the other, only the, one, the other best one, 
good. The other best one being Artie. Yes, moving like the house fighting in. Well, I, I like I like the conceit. And he's like he was originally good. What was he, he was originally going to do with it? He's going to like throw it somewhere. Yes, he's but he's like move but, it so, like a hundred miles or more. Yeah, but he's like but he had, like strained his back. It was like, what was yeah, that his line? back was out. So, but the reason for it was in equally years. insane. And so, like, he rotates their house an inch, and they have this great shot. A Steve Yusemi, like, walks up to the door and pulls out his key and just, boop, like, pokes the door and, like, misses the lock, and then just kind of, like, like looks at it very confused. He's depending on his muscle memory. Yes. Like, he, like, he knows that it's always <laughs> just... there, and he goes to insert his key, and it's like, he's like, wait, this does not compute. <laughs> and then by the end of the, the episode... And the look he gives to it. Yeah. He's, uh, he's like, wait a second. And I love the fact that they have to revert it at the end of the yes, episode. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, his whole life is screwed up. <laughs> you know? Something else going on, smoking in a children's show. Yeah. Oh. Especially in the early 90s. I'm surprised, you know... They got away with that. We talked. We talked about that previous episode. Is like that. That kind of as a weird standard in American TV shows because we did Biker Mice from Mars, in which like you oh can't, my yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, there's, everything's a laser because you can't show guns. Then we watched Adventures of Tintin, which like he is like shooting everyone. <laughs> and then you know because of this escalating prank war, you've now suddenly got the Wrigley family living like it's a police state, yes. which seems very uh, relevant in our modern oh, society. Oh boy, here we go. I'm not. I'm not going to get too far into it. This is pineapple pizza all over again. <laughs> pineapple pizza all over again. <laughs> goddammit. it! But uh, you've got us living in this, you know hypersensitive society which is stifling Big Pete so much it's like because he can't, can't go see com- Ellen exactly he can't communicate with his friends I like, you know? I like the crossing guard like initially forgetting the letters yes. <laughs> dear Pete <laughs> <laughs> no it, no he couldn't even get his name right the oh, first time it was dear uh, yeah something weird like that and then it's like dear Pete I miss you Hot stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's not she, like that. She's like, I think, like, I couldn't stop thinking about yesterday. I'm like, uh. <laughs> it's like hot stuff. I'm like, it's not like that. <laughs> so this just keeps going and going and going until you know both Big Pete and Little Pete kind of come to realizations that you know something's not right here. Big right. Pete just basically says, "I'm out," commits mutiny against family Wrigley, and you know goes out. Whereas little Pete is, you know, dad comes in, little Pete's, he's watching, you know, Steve Buscemi, and he's like, Steve is on his knees at the door, begging, he's like, Don, you win, please stop, I just want my daughter back. I just, I, I'm and, an action figure. Yes, I, well, yeah, he wants the action Because the faction figure was the only thing they bonded over, that, which, that which, is inter- which was interesting because it's like, Ellen and her father bonded over the doll they kept after the accident, mm. but... Little Pete is bonding with his dad over this war. Mm. So it's like they want the doll back so that they can they can bond. Mm. But Little Pete doesn't technically want that because he'll stop bonding with his dad. Exactly. Yeah. So, the idea was at the end like his father had learned an appreciation for how Pete does things and he so did. they have a more permanent like which is like this is like a lot these were a lot of like relatively like serious themes going on mm. in this 22-minute episode. Exactly. And then, you know, little Pete going in. He's so moved by Steve Buscemi's impassioned speech that he takes the action figure and goes away. And everybody's thinking, oh, my God, he's going to go and he's going to finish the job. And you've got this chase scene where Don is even obeying the stop signs when he's in the chase. Well, they established established in in King of the Road where he's like, I don't drive drive like... Exactly. He don't drive blue. He he goes clean. Don Wrigley... 
drives clean. So, you know, they're going in this whole big thing, and it turns out that it's not going to explode like they thought it was. But little Pete had really did have a change of heart, even though you thought for a minute right. he'd gone scoundrel. But he knew that he had to do that to yeah. get them together. Exactly. You know, and everything ends, you know, everybody learning something about one another as they tend to do in specials. <laughs> True. All right, and then the next one in, up. The King, next one up would be King of the Road. This is this is the this travel is, episode. Yep. Dad experience at its like most refined. Yes, this this is. I, I want to get a license plate. This is King of Frog. King of <laughs> Unfortunately, no states have nine digits, oh, so you gosh, can't have sure. you can't have King of Road or King of Fraud. <laughs> I'd settle for like a forum name or something. <laughs> yes, I, I have a vanity should, plate. Should that be your Twitter handle? That could be my new one. Yeah, I have a, I have a vanity plate. You know, uh, as you, a fellow, you, your Twitter feed is just full of vanity plates. <laughs> well, yeah, as a fellow vanity plate haver, I feel compelled to inform of others. Call of other weirdos. Interesting, exactly, other weirdos that I see driving on the road oh and feel God. compelled to inform others. Remind me to show you the weird one I saw a couple months ago. <laughs> I took a picture because I thought of you. Oh, <laughs> you're so sweet. I forgot, and I, for, I was going to post it on Twitter, but then I forgot about it. <laughs> of course, you needed it from the source. Yeah. So you know, I, I felt a, you know with Mr. Wrigley, you know, I felt a little bit of, uh, and of the, bonding and with the, him. The on evil, that. the evil version of their family. Yes. Well, we we haven't even gotten that far yet. I mean, Ugh. we have to start with the three dad laws of the road. Yes. Okay. The first one: never asking for directions. The second one, roof stack packing, and number three, making good time. So, like these are the these are the laws of dads. And yes. truth, you know, we got to think about this show. You know, in the context, it's been like twenty five years right. since this came on. And one, if we had done um, uh, what I did on my summer vacation, I think half of what we would have talked about was the fact that these shows definitely are very much a product of their time. Right. Like half the plot in this episode would not be able to happen in the modern day because of freaking cell phones. Oh, yeah, like, or like shows like Seinfeld, which are classics, but like there's entire episodes that revolve around the fact that they can't communicate with each other and are constantly just missing each other. Oh, yeah, there's, Correct. Like, there's like the Ellen episode where everybody like ostracizes her because she has a different area code. And yes. now that's like, who cares? Who it's cares? all on my phone. Yeah, none of, none of it matters matters anymore you know speaking of cars you know something to mention is that don wrigley has a different car in this episode he has an 80s era b-body chevrolet caprice station wagon in top that that might be a a conceit for the premise well this will be relevant later the fact uh, the fact that he is using this specific station wagon but you know these b-body station wagons big rear drive lumbering v8s with a way back that faces towards the back you know, if you, <laughs> we didn't have station wagons in our household, but we did know people we, with them. We always think, had vans. Do you yeah. just think that they knew like the auto auto dealership in town and just went like, we need a new one? <laughs> Entirely possible. I don't know. Like anytime I think about station wagons from back then, I always think about the one from Henry and the Hendersons. That with the, with the wood pan, with yes. the wood paneling because yeah Harry oh my god <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons I haven't thought about that show in forever but now that you say I think of that station wagon like right now in my brain yeah it has come right back <laughs> that's another but, one all right so the the intro is super good because it sets the rules of the road but yeah. it also ends at the best well, way it, it establishes yeah. it establishes more of like the mythology of this world which is that there's like 
there's this there's like dads and they're competing in their dadness. Yes. Well, well but even before that, like I love that the at the end of it just it's him making a turn but not really making the cur- curb and just going like I know a shortcut. Yeah. Just driving <laughs> off a <of> wall. <laughs> And, you know, the measuring of a dad's confidence. I, I still think of yes. it to this day as the level of elbow out the window. <laughs> you know, the more elbow, the more confident the dad. Um. You know? So, one thing, another thing is, this episode, basically the basis of the opening sequence of the series for a long time. Yeah, I noticed that, because a lot of the scenes in the intro were from that that episode. Because I'm pretty sure this was the first uh uh, when they were going to make it a series, like when they did what I um, what I did on my summer vacation, they were, that wasn't intended probably on being a series yet. But when this was doing, they knew they were going to be doing a series. Oh, okay. So that's probably why they pulled it all up and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so we go into this classic Americana of the great family road trip. And what what amazing location are we going to? We're going to the Hoover Dam. <laughs> Woo party! Well, I know. Is, like, I love also like the the ambitions of this like Midwest family. Like we're gonna go because like the town they're in is the most like just white bread like a little like you know Eastern Midwestern America family. And their idea of the big vacation is to go see the Hoover Dam. Well, because you know uh, Don Wrigley has these kind of you know he grew up probably. 50s, 60s, you know, age of our parents probably. Right. You know, got fed a lot of the, you know, great Americana things that baby boomers tend to get fed. And you see this thing where he has this great reverence for American landmarks and the the honor of American ingenuity, of the triumph of science, of man against nature. Yes. You know, as he goes on and talks about those sorts of things. And as we get into this, we're on this road trip. We start feeling what things were like when we we're doing road tripping back in the day. Yeah, there's like, no 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 Game Boy, no Game Boy. No so I have to play Roadkill Auto Bingo. Yes, I, I like that there yeah. was I like that there was a dinosaur and a lobster on that chart. <laughs> I know. Two things you will never be yes. able to get a bingo on. Uh, my, I think my favorite part of the, the of the pre trouble part of the road trip. Uh, was little Pete just yelling out the window, Nice stag buddy! <laughs> half, half of the fun of the show is little Pete's either non sequiturs yes. or oh, just insults. Or, where, insults. or when he was playing the harmonica, yeah. just by putting the harmonica out. Yeah. And then he dropped it, and he's like, Well, there goes that harmonica. <laughs> yeah, I, somewhere on, online, there is a, I've seen it, there's a list of like all of his fake insults, and they're all, all great. I, bite, bite my neck hair. Yeah. <laughs> or like Don Wrigley pulling down the radio antenna to half mast <laughs> to give his speech about the men who died building the Hoover <laughs> Dam. Oh jeez. Oh jeez. I didn't Son. even know that was what he yeah, was. Yeah, I also yeah, I, I, half mast, but because he's paying his respects. I did not even notice that. That is amazing. Oh, <laughs> you know he's like. You know, son, those men died so that well, they like, give us the benefit of clean... 29 people died making this damn... So their guts are still in there? And he's like, <laughs> their souls are still in there, son. <laughs> the show is so weird. <laughs> so, you know, that's the good part of the road trip. You know, everything seems uh, to be coming up Don Wrigley. You know, that, that all happens. King of the road. And they're making and such they, good time. Yes, they're making incredible time, as a matter of Enough fact. Enough that they can stop for a picnic. Exactly. Like, Don Wrigley, you know, he thinks, you know what? 
We've done so well, we should reward ourselves. You know, so as they say, they stop by for a picnic with bug juice on the house because he's such a generous guy. <laughs> You know, where you would get bug juice. Exactly. So they stop at the highway rest stop where they go and eat their picnic. And as their picnic is starting to go, in slow motion, pulls up the 1988 Buick Roadmaster station wagon, (laughs) which was the better version of the uh, the, uh, Caprice wagon. Oh, okay. okay. You know, so this is so, like the luxury version, or is it? Like, yes, oh, you know, because God, God well, who was the auto head on the show? <laughs> this guy is. I like, would have never even thought. Of no, that. Yeah. yeah. So because because this family is supposed to be the evil twin version of yes. the Wrigley's, so they have you know this. Uh, I looked him up by the way. Uh, the guy who played the evil family's Is dad. Is he in the X-Files or something? Uh, I, yeah, I think he was in Dexter. Uh, let me see. If wow, we, okay. Oh my god, that would be awesome. Actually, yeah. I, I, either way, like, the, 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 the Royal Family, I did not notice that he has the better car and the better, the more correct license plate. Yes, he has, instead of King O'Fraud. <laughs> this is actually King of Now And now that we think about it, you know, I just... Uh, as That's many times as I've seen this episode, I just now realize King O'Fraud. Right. He's a... F- Don Wrigley was the fraud. Oh. Now, I, I realize that, but Ernest I'm like, King O'Fraud. <laughs> I, like I mean, how many... I've seen this for 25 freaking years. Well, because what he had to do was he was doing, like, King O, like, O. Yeah, he had like, to push yeah. the... This is the closest our state could come up with. Exactly. But the reason why is because here comes this douchebag. Right. He already had that license. Plate. He already had King of Road. Yep. Here you've got this clean cut, you know, what Don Wrigley thinks from years of television is the correct American male. Thank you, toxic masculinity. <laughs> yeah. With, with his June Cleaver wife. Yeah, this... And his two little girls, one of which gives Big Pete the biggest boner he's ever had in his, <laughs> in his 15-year-old life. Oh, like I, the well, whole conversation by the it. tree is like, like okay, this show is really yes. just hamming it. Like, <laughs> love it. They are, compl- and once she shows up, he, Big P, com- they completely go into this. Now you would recognize it as just innuendo completely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, I. It's funny you mentioned that. I, I do say like this show, like you're saying, is a product of its time, and is like this is a very like you know nuclear family. And no child would get the sexual tension here no, that's being no. cut with a stick. I think they knife. might pick up on the idea that oh he like he thinks she's cute. Yes, but like exactly. they are having like a little like repartee and it, and and she's she's oh she's kind of talking like this. She's kind of and she's selling it and it's it's great. So uh, let's see. So Mr. Perfect is Geoff Pearson. Uh, let's see. He was on Dexter. Nice. He was on Dexter, Changeling, 24, Unhappily Ever After, uh, Designated Survivor. So I guess he's pretty common he's on been 24. He's pretty regular character cool. actor. Wow. Is he noted character actor, Jeff, whatever his last name was? I, how would you determine it? <laughs> Pearson. Uh, you, you know what? His, his face looks familiar enough. He looks yeah. like he could be no, like that's a, that's a guy that you call noted character actor. Yeah, he's just got that face. He could be like a henchman for a Bond villain or something. <laughs> or he could be the Bond villain. Indeed. But so now that this guy has shown up, yes. you know, Don Wrigley's world is thrown into disarray. I, and I love because that, his, yeah. mascul- his masculinity is being challenged. His, you know, dad, his dadness. Yeah, and, and he's afraid because 
he actually could be better. Exactly. Yes. That's that's what makes the fear because he's got the better car, he's got the better wife. He's I got mean, the he better family. Say, you know, he's not because in Don, you know, Don Wrigley's not a bad guy. You know, he, no. he's not thinking. You know, he clearly you're watching this beforehand. He loves his wife. He loves his kids. He loves being a great dad. But he's looking at this, and all he can think of is the one that got away, or maybe just the insecurities. Run is maybe my wife and my kids see this, and they're wondering why the hell are we sticking well, with this jacket? I think there's a, there's a community aspect of it too, because he's like, exactly. like neighborhood prestige is a theme in this show. Yes, and then he sees it, and like his he, his kids are kind of unruly, and his wife is eccentric, but like the, and this family is like like Flanders esque. Perfect, and they're like they're singing the Flanders. Yeah, that's what they are. Yeah, they're like an evil version of the Flanders. Yeah, without all the Christianity to keep them up yeah, straight and, 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 and like they pass by their car, and the evil family are all like sitting up straight, and they're singing like in perfect like round, and it's yeah. And he's yeah. just like he knows he's being challenged. So upon being challenged, the family hastily packs up the car and starts driving away, and this throws everything into disarray. Right. So the problem now. Is that you have the classic road trip problem? Kids gotta take a piss, and there's some real good, you know. Yes, I think great pee gags. Jo- I think pee jokes can be a little overused at times, but th- I gotta tell you, these are some pretty good. I pee completely. Jokes. I, I I remember seeing the shot of of the mother like running through the fields, like sound of music. <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly. And I didn't realize this, like, oh, it's, she's, it's the sound she, of music. Yeah, she's found music. a place to pee. Yes. <laughs> The hills are alive. Yeah. Sound of my pee. <laughs> well, I love the shot of him just like pouring something out on the pavement, and it cuts up, and he's just dumping a glass out, and he's not yeah, just taking a whiz too. in a parking lot. And so, of course, this causes them to lose valuable time, which is just making Don even more crazy. And we can see the family themselves, without their strong leader of Don Wrigley to keep them together, they all start losing it a little bit. You know, Big Pete is wondering what mile markers are supposed to be. They're mile markers, Big Pete. You know, Little Pete is, you know, deciding he's going to be a delinquent. You know, death by remote garage door opener, yes. <laughs> which cannot work possibly in I, any way, but I you like accept the, it. I like the subjects that in which the, just, like, if there's a problem in the neighborhood, just the local dads are supposed to take care of it. Yes. Apparently, like, the uh, there was, I was reading, like, trivia and stuff about these episodes, and uh, the guy being threatened by the remote, uh, by the uh, garage door. Oh, yes. Was. Um, like the nom flashback. Uh, it was people were saying it was Stephen Root, Root. who you might know as um, uh, uh, Bill from King of the Hill, oh. or uh, Gideon Gleeful's dad, Bud Gleeful from Gravity Falls. Huh. People were saying that, but he wasn't credited. But like it was just like a two second thing. But a lot of people that's what you know that's what the internet does. Right, they make shit up. You know. So now we're getting to the climax of the episode. You know. Through all of his, you know, trials and tribulations, you know, Don has finally figured out how to get back on the path <laughs> because he's heard the sound of electricity yes. coming from the high station wires. Yeah, like a switching station. Exactly. Yeah, after possibly getting lost, but they can't ask for directions. Exactly. First rule. Exactly, because they couldn't ask for directions. His elbow was all the way in the car. <laughs> So here they are. They're finally back on track. And who shows up? The evil family. But the evil family. Flashing their high beams with artillery sounds and getting ready to pass. Okay? And they're coming by. You know, Don's like, okay, 
come on, family, singing, row, row, row your boat. And then what did the douchebag family do? They start singing in French. Yes. You know, they're just like, oh, and this cannot stand. Okay, they're just showing off. So it's time for a well, time, an, and an he's honor speeding. tradition. And the, the evil family is also speeding. And then the fa- and uh, uh, dad, dad Wrigley is like, nope, I always drive clean. Yep, double nickel. They hadn't repealed the 55 miles. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah. All right, so obviously at this time we're coming to a head. We're going to have to have one thing that we can determine is who is the better family. What is it going to be, Dan? It's going to be roof stack packing. (laughs) While still driving. While still driving, because Big Pete decides, you know what? This this cannot stand. We are Wrigley's, and... God damn it, we're going to do it the Wrigley way. So they go and gather everything up from the car, you know, Joyce takes over the wheel, Don gets on the roof and starts taking stuff. They take all the stuff, the coolers, everything from inside the car, even topping it off with an action figure. But it's not enough. Because the other car does exactly the same and tops it off with... Like the trophy, I think. No, it's like a geisha statue. No, the geisha statue, that's right. And it's a little bit taller. It's a little bit taller. And the family is dejected. They're like... Crestfallen. We've... Given it our all, we there's no more that we can do. And to his credit, Don has realized the error of his ways. You know, he has realized that he has put his family at risk because he felt threatened. You know, and he's like, we did the best we could, and there's no shame in that. Right, Pete? And he looks at Big Pete in the mirror, and Big Pete's like, hold my beer. I got an idea. Yes. So he starts stripping off all of his clothes, and he's like, we still got these, right? And everybody's like, sure, why not? So everybody takes off their clothes, puts it up, and by putting the clothes on top of the car, they win. <laughs> uh, while, you know, showing their bare asses and yes. uh, other things to yeah. the neighbors. Did you see that other father? He wouldn't even look at me. Yeah, exactly. He's like, he wouldn't even look at him, like probably because he was buck naked. Exactly. I, I, again, the, again, the like the mythology and internal logic of the show, which the other, the evil family, insta- they, they just know this rule this as well. Yep. They've lost They've something. lost. That's a line that they will not cross. Yes. You know. So what happens is is they end with the trading of the license plates, an act that is completely and Illegal. utterly not legal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But man, just that episode just quintessential family stuff, you know. Yeah. Really makes you think of dads and what dads do in our lives. You know? All right, so let's move on to the next one. We've still got two more to go. The next one got I a... have in my notes is Sick Day. Oh, God. This is my favorite episode. It is, I think this, I mean, people might say Das Bus is the best episode. I honestly think this is the best episode. I, yeah, this series. is the, I think this is the best this one. This is the one that caused us to laugh the most because. The opening, yes. the yes. opening made us lose it. Like just the the girl, like sh- like grinding pencils and eating pencil, and just like shooting pencil shavings. But no, it was just the, so. The basis is is just like it, it's the doldrums in school. Like and everyone knew it. It was that era that was like the after Christmas. Christmas, Christmas break's done. Spring break is not yet here. Not yet here. Well, I think they were saying, you know, between Christmas and Memorial Day, yeah. there's no hot. But here's the thing. I mean, we had, at least where we were, we had a week of vacation in February and a week of vacation in April. Oh, this so episode we made had, no sense. You know, we had breaks, you know. This is in, in, you know, grade school, high school. Like, our school, Massachusetts, that's what they did. Right. I don't know what they do in other places. 
here it's like spring break is like usually kids get back to school like second week of January. And then spring break is, like, March sometime. Plus, our schools get so many half days or, like, yeah. teacher work days. Uh, but, again, it's, it's the mythology of the show. It's been amplified. Well, it's like they're, they're like a prison camp plus, and they're, like, losing it. Plus, mm. since where we live, we don't get snow days, so that's yeah. why. That's yeah. the main reason. So and what happens is, is little Pete gets the idea, the way that he can have that moment of, of, of relaxation. Yes. And he does it in my favorite goddamn way. <laughs> yes. Of just being there at his desk, holding a snow globe, <laughs> yes. and then just letting it go. Sick day. Sick yeah, day. Like he had an idea that would get him out for sure. Rosebud. Yes. It, yes. Sick, sick a day frozen that feet. no child back then got. Oh, no, no. Exactly. exactly. I just like the classmate who's like slowly growing a beard. <laughs> he's just like dying, and he's running like. Even though he yeah. probably hasn't even reached the age where he would start. Uh, no, he was probably not. like I think uh, he was probably like twelve. So I love I love the part of this where it's like it's the science of deciding what sickness you're mm-hmm. going to have Bribing because me. I feel like we all were just like all yeah. right, what, what can do we do? All right, I could do a cold. I'm gonna have to play that off. Like you can't do figure- a flu because you, it's very difficult to fake a fever. But you know, like the, Big the, Pete's uh, Little Pete's logic in what he did uh, with Big Pete as the accomplice, you know, because I'm sure Big Pete's gone through the same thing too. So they do. He just, Little Pete settles on food poisoning as his, uh, you know, I, raisin I, de tray. I would like to say I enjoyed. I really enjoyed the, the, the little aside where he's like the, the, the legends of the other kids had how they faked sick. Yes, and like the kid used mind control powers to keep his temperature above 101 for three days. <laughs> It's just a kid with them in like a thermometer in mouth, like focusing really hard. So, and he's going for the mythical double dipper, <laughs> two not just one sick day, which is probably pushing, but two. Yeah, really, sick days. really pushing it. Yeah. Something else I noticed too is like now that this episode, I'm pretty sure was this a season three or was it a season two? Because at this point, we're firmly it, the series has been established; it's right. been doing things. And one thing I noticed is, like, the use of uh, royalty-free music tracks that, like, similarly used in, like, Ren and Stimpy, the do 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 And also mixing in, like, some Polaris music as well. Like, there's some tracks that Polaris recorded for, like, backing music. Like, during the chase in King of the Road, for example, that was all Polaris. Oh, okay. You know? But, so... It was interesting because in some early episodes, they actually had licensed music. Right. Like, there were some songs that they had licensed, and it was – they moved away from that. Like, that stuff was actually, like, stripped from DVDs because huh. they didn't want to pay people money. Jeez. So, how does he go with the Double Dipper? He decides to go for the ominously named Operation Tapioca. <laughs> Krebstar Tapioca. Krebstar. Yes, that's true. This they didn't have, when the series started. They didn't have all the Kreb stuff. Yeah. Well, this, like the one, the girls eating pencil shavings is a Kreb scout. Yes. Yeah. So everything was like Krebs. Was like and, and he manages to get an expired label from uh, from Sarah Smuggling. Downey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well. You know? Or no, Sarah Shannon. Sarah Shannon. Oh, okay. 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 So that's the plan. You know, it was because they had expired tapioca pudding for dinner. So, you know, big little Pete, I keep saying, 
for whatever reason, Big Pete always comes to my mind first. Little Pete's lying in bed. He does the, oh. It's very good, by the way. He goes, oh. He's like a dying whale. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's who it is. Sarah Shannon was the female vocalist in the band Velocity Girl. So that's, oh, that's why she's of note. Yes. There's that's, so many. There, I'm going through like the list for Sick Day because there's so Sick many. Day, there's a lot of like cameos. Not- notable cameos in Sick Day. So, Ma, here comes Mom into the yeah. room. And she's an and expert. Joyce's bullshit detector is right out. Like, the PKE on the bullshit detector is off the scale. Okay? Yeah. And because she's seen this crap before. You know, checking his temperature, going else. She's like, I think it's something I ate. And she's like, I don't know. I think the rest of us would probably have a problem. So... Big Pete has done his job. He's left the you know the new labeled the temp- tapioca, the tampered tapioca yes, can in the trash. She gets it, and it's like, oh well, I guess this was bad. You know, well, honey, here's a barf bucket. I got shit to do. You know, you just stay in bed. I've got you my know. negative fractions. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's got his big book of fractions that he has to deal with, and uh, I mean, he really little Pete really sells that. Yes, you know. So now that that's done, you know. We're going to uh, tell everybody that little Pete's got a day off. So mom calls the school, and word gets around to the school that <gasps> gets well gets around to the school teacher, LL Cool J. Yes, <laughs> LL Cool J is in this show. Yes. <laughs> uh, what, what year is this episode? Real this, quick. I want to say this is like 1994. Is this pre or post toys? That's a good question. I don't that, know. I'm pretty sure a, that's post toys. Okay, because this is, that was a black hole of a movie that few escaped from. But anyway, Robin Williams did manage to escape from it. Some, well, he did that like right after Aladdin, so he had right. enough that like we'll just we'll just ignore that. <laughs> right. So, but the thing is, like him being sick, like the international adult conspiracy yes. takes notice <laughs> that he is sick, I like and they all like, start partying. I love that they have like they have like it's like. World War Two, like Bletchley Park, they've a wound like a teletype machine, yes. <laughs> getting the message over the wire. Yes. So now that I mean, he's got a day off from school, he can just go around and do whatever the hell he wants. And what does he do? He eats a nice big bowl of President Pops. <laughs> I love, I love how huge those are, so they can resolve them on the camera. On the camera, yes. This is the age before high definition. Yeah, you know, if they had HD TVs, they back then they could probably be a little more subtle about well, it. Plus, he needed to get it stuck up his nose. Yes, don't put presidents in your nose. Put them in there. Do not put them in there. Uh, you guys got to put home movies. On your oh God. <laughs> Oh man! So now we're right now we're gonna get into our big cameo parade. You know, the first one is Chris Elliott. You know, as Meter Man Ray, who is deathly afraid of World War Three. Well, he like again. Well, I relevant. Love, I love the idea. Like again, this is like the, the mythology is like what are the like the weird adults that do things during the, during day, the day that yeah. like and, and it's like the Meter Man comes and like he's like some say when he looked into the meter. He saw the future, and they do this great. Like he's watching. Like he looks into it real intensely, and there's like a nuclear explosion. Like, do your family have a bomb shelter? No. Yeah. Why? Don't worry about it. He was like the one cameo that I was like, oh, I remember seeing this guy in lots of different. Is he stuff. the? Is he the bigger uh, uh, guy from Home Alone? No, that's you're thinking of Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. They, okay, yeah, not the Joe Pesci, but anyway, yeah. yeah. So. Basically, he continues to fuck around. He takes the garage door opener and, you know, says, oh, 
Because, as we know, he likes to fuck around with garage door openers. Yeah, that's like a weird recurring thing in this show. Oh, garage, just point it, you know. Because garage door openers don't work that way. You know? Well, but they used to. Remember, you could you used to be able to That's get a garage true. door opener, and you could change the settings inside and like hit other people's Exa- doors. Yeah, it was basically like basic channel selection. Like they didn't have like encryption or keying or pairing or anything to do with that. So okay, I can buy that. I I can I can buy that. And of course, as they're getting it, it's got this great jingle. Yes, you know, Excalibur. I look and it, and it has like it's got it comes in like a scabbard and everything. Yes, exactly. Most powerful like the garage door opener known to man. So let's see. First, we have the uh, the mail carrier, which is Bebe Newarth, who was a accomplished Broadway actress. Huh. I love I, I love her. her character. She's yeah, awesome. She was yeah, cool. I agree. And then we, at least for the purpose oh, of this uh, podcast. We got our first uh, visit with bus driver Stu. Was that the first time he was on the show? No, he was on the show before that. Okay. But for the purposes of this podcast, it's the first time we're talking about. I I, I just like that. Yeah, she, speaking of like relevant, like she's like she uh, little uh, little Pete Wrigley, who appears to have the Hol- uh, to have Hollywood funny man Don Rickles up his nose. Yes, rest it's in Van peace. Buren. <laughs> it's Eisenhower. Uh, Correction, uh, Eisenhower <laughs> has his own stamp. More on that later. <laughs> May um. May Mr. Rickles uh, rest in peace. Yes. <laughs> immediately dating ourselves. No, it was Van Buren was later. Yeah. That yes, was Van Buren was later. Yep. So we run into, because it's a Little Pete episode, we're dealing with Little Pete's circle of people. And, like, the focus, the laser focus of this episode is Glenn Wordle. You know? Because here's Little Pete thinking, man, maybe my life sucks or whatever, whatever's going on. And then he sees Glenn Wordle is like, maybe it's not so bad. It was like it's I mean, everybody's got this like weird kid in school who's you know kind of Ralph Wiggum. Yeah, you know, this was before uh, this little Wiggy, you know, on the Simpsons. Yeah. Well, just, but it, I think the idea of like the, it, it, the 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 theme of this episode, the very deep theme, is like being on a sick day just changes your perspective on everything, and yeah. it's like his perspective suddenly changed. Like that kid that he never talked to or hung out with, like. Something like, what's his deal? And he like go, strives to find out. Sits there, eats his plaque candy, and oh, plaque candy! <laughs> Just the the camera work on that. Yeah, that was gross. Oh, I was like, oh, this. And is... I remember plaque candy. And see, I've kind of uh, completely unrelated. I've kind of wondered what it would be like to have some recently. Like not, even before this, no. I was just like, remember that stuff is like chalky and weird. I hated it because you had to brush your teeth, then you had to chew it to make sure you got everything, then you brushed your teeth again. It was stupid. That does sound stupid. It is, it is quite stupid. But yeah, so it's it's funny because all the all these incidents are just be like Pete changing his perspective on things or like and how the world works. So he makes it his goal to figure out what yeah. is Glenn's deal. So he makes his way over to Glenn's house, commits some minor breaking and entering, <laughs> and finds in using the Excalibur yes. and finds on the wall of his garage Martin Van Buren. Well, which which was shown earlier in the episode because like when uh, the meter reader looks into looks into the re- like what, what's what's my future and he looks into and he sees Van Buren like yes. our eighth president saved valuable face heat with those large sideburns. Good man. <laughs> Jesus, the show is so the show is so weird. So, you know, he's seen this and he doesn't get it at all. So he's like, well, I don't get it. I might as well just admit defeat 
and go home. But the problem is that he's been dilly dallying too much. Right. And you know, mom's uh, coming home. Mom's coming home, driving down in a third car that is not the Capri station wagon. She's driving a Mercury Grand Marquis or something of that ilk. It's a Ford this time around. And everybody's like, "Oh shit, here comes mom!" So they're doing the rave. Yeah, I love, yeah, I love, I love the, the, like, the, the yeah, male, that was great. The that male, was great. And the male woman has a flare gun. Like, yeah, keep, keep the dogs away. <laughs> we'll do a second of, of two episodes that we watched with, in which flare flares guns. are used. So. Yes, exactly. So the alert is out. Little Pete knows he's got. You know, he can't just walk home. He's got to book it on his way home. Who does he run into? Glenn, Glenn Wordle, <laughs> you know, and so they have actually kind of a moment together, you know, and they talk to each other and you realize maybe we're not too different. Well, they Glenn. both love shoving President Pops up their nose. <laughs> exactly. You know, maybe they're not all that different. And, and Glenn shares the secret of how to dislodge it, which is to build up static electricity and touch a doorknob. Exactly. And it will like loosen up the marshmallow stuck in your nose. So here's something that uh, for a little thing is a uh, fashion corner. You know, um, because being in the 90s, things happening, things were different. I I felt when um, Little Pete was wearing his, like, shirt and his sport coat, the way, like, his turtleneck sport coat, very Steve Jobs. It is kind (laughs) of. Well, with a plaid, like a plaid hunter's cap as well. Yeah. Turtlenecks were really big back then. They were. We've talked about, like, like other, like, just weird 90s fashion that, like, you see us, 90s show now, like, oh my. God. But like little Pete is wearing this like you know turtleneck and not just in this episode he's wearing it in other ones mm-hmm. too you know and it's weird it's like man the kids I didn't dress like that no you know so it just shows you how weird little Pete is you know I dressed like Vanilla Ice yep so I bet you did <laughs> down by law yeah sex <laughs> yeah so little Pete's rushing home doing you know perhaps unethical maneuvers like bouncing your radio signal off of somebody's license yes. plate to hide his tracks because he would have got he would have been home free except for the garage door which he left open he's like <laughs> what do I do what do I do bounce it off the uh you know, he's like, I'm sorry, Mom. Like, I didn't realize it was such an ethical quandary to reflect radio signals. <laughs> well, it causes her, like, physical discomfort. She was like, oh, that's right. No, she, he did it off the metal plate. Yes. That's right. He used the plate. And it, she's like, <laughs> you know, she had a little bit of thing Well, they established, like, she can pick up the actual music in, uh, in, in uh, Apocalypse Pete. Correct. She's, like, well, on she, the side of the road twitching. Radio stations, you know. Well, like, I love that, you're not, like, on the side of the road twitching and, like, marmalade cream. And then she gets home, but little Pete has won. He's yes. made it back in bed. Mom still thinks he's sick. He gets his double dip. He got away with it. But he voluntarily decides only to day. take one day. Decides only to take one day. He wants day. to figure out what he wants to meet with Glenn. Exactly. So. so it all worked out in the end. It's it's like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Kind of. It is very, yeah. like with, But different. Yeah. More things shoved up people's noses. Yes. Right. All right. And then this will take us to our very last one. Inspector 34. I, I know. We're running a little long. That's okay. We're, we're allowed. You edit your stuff, don't you? Well, that's not it. Like, they were telling us we had to leave by 10 o'clock. Nobody's come bothering us yet. They're probably not going to bother us. Yeah. Okay. So, Inspector 34, you know, I was I made a note in here just like, I can't remember if this is the episode that set off the Kreb 
thing because this technically comes before sick day. Oh, okay. In in, uh, in the episode list, I believe. But yeah, this at this point, you know, Kreb stuff was all over the joint. So we've got Kreb of the Loom underpants, <laughs> and you know, the Pete's the entire family Wrigley buys all of their. Uh, brand as Kreb of the Loom. But so, also, like, they go through a lot of underwear. <laughs> they do. They go through a lot of underwear. I mean, they're teenage boys. You know, they're growing. They wear this stuff out. You know, it it happens. You know, and I'm sure, I mean, I don't think I recall what Don Wrigley's um, profession was. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to remember. I don't recall if it's ever mentioned in any he's, actual he's, episode He's or dead. Not, he goes to work. Yeah. He, I mean, he could be in something that goes through a lot of underpants. You don't know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Whoa. Well, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> Booch. I can't think. I, I, that's like the only job I could continually think of that would routinely use after underpants. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking more of like, you know... Oh I boy! Let's oh, see. No, no, just like you know. Whoops! I ripped them again. <laughs> so now you know we're going through this, and every package they get is from Inspector Thirty Four. Yes. They've been like these underpants were inspected by Inspector Number Thirty Four, and they're like they're having a debate. You know, the kids and everybody's like, is Inspector Thirty Four a real person? And it turns out he is, in fact, a real person. And has this, like, Re- Phantom of the Opera-esque, like, <laughs> obsession with the family. Yeah, played by uh, actor I John Adovino, who I don't remember anything that he's done since I looked at it several days ago. And, you know, Inspector 34 comes around saying, I've seen you grown up, Pete. You know, I know you. And he tells all these things to all of the family members. Mom, Big Pete, Dad. He knows. Like, he, you can tell a lot about a person by the kind of underwear they buy, apparently. Well, I think it's, he's also... I think how does he, he know he this? a lot really of things. Creepy. And, like, how does he know this? Has little Pete been... I mean, granted, they say, you know, he's been trying to send something to him, but surely little Pete has not been sending every detail of their lives to Inspector 34. So now that he's reached out, they want to get together and try to figure out, you know, what is the meaning of life? Is there more to life than just underpants? <laughs> I feel this is a nice, like, this is like an inverse, a sort of inverse of the, like, how I spent my summer vacation. Yes. The, the bizarre figure in the periphery of your life, like, how do you deal with that? Yes. And I think the thing that makes the difference between those two episodes is, like, Mr. Tasty was, um, he wanted to be kind of left alone. Right. You know, whereas Inspector 34, it was the opposite. He kind of, he was yearning. For a little bit of that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come around. By the way, I just pulled up John Ottavino's uh, page. Good job. Uh, Revolutionary Road, The Kingfisher. He was in Malcolm X, Bob Roberts, uh, but the most esteemed one here beyond The Good Wife he was in. Uh, He was a network newscaster in The Happening. Hmm. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, no. We wouldn't hurt you. Yes, exactly. So now they've thought, they've brought him here to the family, and, you know, he wants, he's had this kind of realization that there's got to be more to life. And Don Wrigley extends, you know, he says, you know, Inspector, come with us. 
you know, stay with our family, you know, have some dinner, you know, we'll take you to a Wrigley family barbecue. So they all go in the backyard and inspector 34 does everything ultra super neatly. He even eats his barbecue yes. chicken with a <laughs> knife and fork and cleans and st- it without a drop and stacks the bones up in this little bone pyramid on the plate. Very, very true detective. Very, very true detective. <laughs> He, he he walks to help take the plates away and notices a creak in the stair and fixes the creak. Yeah. His interaction with the children is very strange. You know, it's like, it's like, does this, should we keep him around the children? Well, that was kind of my feel during the extra credit uh, with Mr. Tasty. Yes. Like, it's a little bit just like, do I really want this ice cream guy to <laughs> exactly. hang out with these kids? Exactly. I, I especially loved in that one when it was just like, can I take a picture? Okay. And everything seems to be going great. You know, Little Pete is teaching him in the ways of being Little Pete. And, you know, he's starting to loosen up and everything else. And he's also starting to teach Little Pete some things. You know, it's working out really well for everybody, for the most part, until the fateful day happens where he meets the meter maid. <laughs> yep, so... Now that he's met the meter maid, this is throwing a variable that they didn't expect into the mix. He doesn't. He didn't know what love was, and now he's gotten just a taste, just a tiny, tiny taste of love. Give us this like Frankenstein's monster character is like. Yes, that's actually that's a very good analogy. It is very Frankenstein's monster. It's like they're creating something with him, and they don't fully realize what they've done until it's too late. You know, and then things just keep going off the rails. Now, you know, little Pete is going to actually be an inspector and he's got, you know, Danny Tamborelli's normally crazy hair is all slicked back in. He's dressed up in these very generic inspector clothes. A lot of humor in the show, which is based around like little Pete getting a job. Yeah. (laughs) As like a. One of of the ones that I remembered that wasn't on here was the one where little Pete got the job mowing the highway. Yes. Forever. (laughs) Well, we didn't. uh, uh, I wanted one that I really wanted us to do, but I couldn't do was the one where Big Pete is uh, on the golf course. Yes. And he's running the golf ball collector thing. Everyone's just aiming their balls at him. So the whole family is now succumbing to madness. You know, dad is, you know, Don sees that he did that stack of bones and he's like, I got to do that. And he's just obsessively trying to learn how to stack bones for no apparent purpose other than, you know, it's just driving him crazy that this guy was able to do it. Mom is taking care of every creek in the house. And she can't fix them, although that's the problem. You know, there's just too many creeks. You know, and the inspector is training little Pete on how to inspect by skeet shooting the underpants. Yep. He's supposed to see all of the flaws in mid air. Yep. How insane is that? <laughs> Again, this is an air, this is like an episode that's like a fever dream like yes. story. And this is this is all coming to a head. You know, the family is starting to crack under the seams, and Inspector Thirty Four goes on his date with you know the meter maid with uh, her name P.E.O. Mac yeah you know and the problem is is that they start talking and oh no her teeth are terrible like I mean we're talking you know Austin Powers level bad teeth here and he's like well this broad has bad teeth I'm out (laughs) I didn't think 
bad. I thought it was just because she had food in between her teeth. Yeah, that's true. It's, it was the food. I didn't. I wrote the teeth. <laughs> the teeth. The teeth. It's no, right. it's just because she had food in between. Right, she has like a she comical had, like parsley. Yes, it was, yes, the parsley leaf, and he's like, aren't, aren't which is very non-permanent, by the way. It, yes, this <laughs> is it would very, go away. Yeah, you could a, say something, and she could get rid of it. She would floss at the end of the day, I'm sure. This is a very like Seinfeldian like like quibble here. <laughs> yes, it's like oh, you know, she's got a piece of parsley in her teeth, and I think it's because the inspector, she, he's like. You know, she's not conscientious enough to realize that she has the parsley in her teeth and oh. she needs to remove it. Yeah. So and that's he's an his, that's crazy his biz. Person. You know, he's like, oh, it's you not know, perfect. This broad, you know, I'm, I'm not dealing with you no more. So that's basically it. They've broken Inspector 34. And now the problem is, is that... Um, he goes to the other side. He goes to the deep end. Yes, it's very much the deep end. So it's going to be a battle between little Pete and Inspector 34. Well, because Inspector 34 goes, we need to fix... We need to inspect the world. Yes. yes. We need to fix the world's problems now. Yes. And little Pete's like... Mm, about that. You know? So they get in this big fight where they have to inspect things. And they have this whole series of various inspections. Like putting an ice tray in the fridge without spilling a drop. I love Which that. I fail that constantly. I failed. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You find a person who's able to do that, and, you know, you could probably find a pretty good president of the United States. <laughs> you know, other things like getting every bit of toothpaste out of the tube. Yes. Parallel parking. You know, just all these things my, that. My, are, my personal nightmare. It, you know, I'm right there with you, man. And the thing is, is like, so far, Inspector 34 is winning all of this stuff because it's stuff he's really good at. And they're like, well, how do we beat this guy? How do we beat him in his own game? And that's when they have the idea. Barbecue chicken eating. Okay? So they go and he eats his barbecue chicken. Everybody has, you know, everybody's there. He's eating it all. And he leaves it with his perfectly stacked pile of bones. And everybody starts nitpicking him. He's like... He's eating it with the, the like he's eating it with a knife and fork. He's like, you're supposed to use your fingers. He's like, where's the sauce? He's completely clean. It's like, what is all this stuff? And then he's like, you know, you got me. You've yeah, beaten me at my like, own logic. It's like barbecue's supposed to be messy. You're it, messing it up by it, not making it be it, messy. And he's yeah. like, hmm. does not compute. It's very yeah. Yeah, it's very, it basically broke his logic processors. We're lucky his head didn't explode. <laughs> but he is a man of his honor. You know, he knows when he has been beat, and he's about to go away very sadly. But they're like, no, 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 you don't have to. It's just all good things in moderation. You know, it's okay to be messy, just not all the time. And so they come to an understanding. Little Pete throws away being an inspector, and he goes and he eats a messy piece of barbecue chicken. And Inspector 34, we don't know if he goes back to be... Being with, you know, P.E.O. Mac or not, because they didn't really address that at the end of the episode. But I bet, you know, he's like, you know, I was a real prick about that. I'm sorry. Give me another chance, because they really were made for each other. It would be they're a both, tragedy. They're both obsessive, crazy people. They're, yes, it would be a tragedy if that didn't work out. And that is our four episodes of Pete and Pete. And I will say, this show released at the same time as goddamn hey dude and i hate that show so (laughs) bad there was a lot of i mean you think nowadays about the uh you know the disney live action industrial complex 
you know, of stuff on Disney Channel. Of, hey, here's future pop star coming to you. Exactly. Future star of LOL. But back in the day, Nickelodeon had these, like, series of live-action shows that they did. They have Hey Dude being one of them. Clarissa, things. Ex- Clarissa explains it all. They had Clarissa. Yeah. They had Welcome Freshman. Oh, I never uh, saw that one. Uh, Camp. Um, uh, and I know the one you're thinking of. Salute your shorts. Salute your shorts. That's it. And I mean the entire improv stuff with like all that and uh, yeah, and, all and that Roundhouse, is, which is the precursor to, to all, all of that, that is a is a crazy concept. It's like, what if we made Saturday Night Live but, but for, for kids. children? And that was actually, I think that was like the start of the I can't the Dan Snyder series of Nick shows. Now, what, what that we, guy was a weirdo. What we do need to check on is we do need to watch. Uh, you can't. We, well, we need to watch. You can't show that on television. Okay. Yep. Because people watched it recently and went, "It's weirdly dark." It is very dark because people just die constantly in that show. They joke about uh, you know food poisoning. You know, barf. Why, why do people still go to barfs if it makes you sick? Like, the, the the bit doesn't even hold up on the minor of scrutiny. But, like I said, you had all these shows that Nick was producing, these live-action things. And if you go back and look at them, you know, well, none well, of them had that sort of... I mean, Pete and Pete, what it had was this surrealness that it made it kind of like a cartoon. And I think that's what, even though it is very much a product of its time, it's it has a bit of timelessness in that, in the same way that a Bugs Bunny cartoon made in the 1940s or whatever is still funny today, even though it's got celebrity references that you won't get. Or like, makes jokes about opera. Yes. Which is a cultural artifact, which is like, escaped most people these days. And the under-the-hood racism as well. Oh, yeah. You know, the parts of these that are still part of its time, yet in a way, still very timeless. And I think Pete and Pete manages to nail a lot of that. Because even though you can go and say, oh, King of the Road wouldn't have happened because of cell phones or the various other things that go on with it, there is still, you know, with Inspector 34, there's existential NUI, you know, with... What am I doing in this world? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Or with King of the Road and what does it mean to be a dad and to be a man, you know, in this world? You don't have to obey, you know, society's rigid, you know, description of what it means to be a man. It just means being there for your family, you stupid idiot. Yeah, I think what's interesting is, like, it it does obey a lot of stereotypes of the time. It does. It's very 90s, but it's interesting in that, like, the show is never cynical. Mm. It's never cynical. It's, like, it's surreal, and it maintains that, like, this is how, like, this show is structured how kids think. Mm. And I think that's, that's, that's a, like, that's something that's pretty timeless as well. And like you're saying, it's, it's, it's not cynical at all, which makes it, like, very endearing. It, it is super refreshing to watch this show. At least for me. I mean, for me, it's something that, you know, I had watched. I had seen a lot of it when it was on TV. But for, like, you guys, you know, especially for Sabrina, I mean, that wasn't part for you, you know, like that stuff was a lot new for you, wasn't it? You're like you're you're coming at it from a I never saw this. I don't have the nostalgia filter. I mean, I'm pretty sure I saw parts of it when it came on, but I think most of the time if it came on, I probably switched the channel to something else. You were watching Biker Mice from Mars. Biker Mice from Mars was before that show That's was true. running, I think. 
It was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles riff, so that had to be like a... a Early 90s. I mean, well, this show, like, the first season in the specials was like 1992, 1993. Yeah. I'm pretty sure... I was... 1991, I was three years old. Okay. Yeah, same thing. Same thing, I was like... You don't have the nostalgia filter. I'm only... Yeah, like, I'm, like... For me, it was out when I was like ninety nine one. I was one, so I saw it like basically on reruns. But yeah, I think if the, I I definitely remember like some weird parts of it, but it was because maybe I caught it. Yeah, and maybe I saw an episode when it was a rerun. Because that was it. But looking yeah, they, at it now, you know, like you've actually now you say, well, there's no skipping channels. You know, we're just sitting down and watching it. Right. You know. Um, Without that nostalgia effect, you know, how does it come to you? I mean, it's like slice of life, but then it's a weird version of slice of life. <laughs> it's it's like wholesomely and, twisted. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's just because like yeah, it has weird parts. There were parts that I thought was funny, but like as a series, like would this be something that I would actually take the time to watch all of? No. But mostly just because, I don't know, a lot of the subject matter isn't stuff that I'm interested in, at least not now. Maybe if I saw it when I was a kid, yeah, maybe more. Mm. Um, but I don't know, it's it's hard, especially for stuff from back then. Because I feel like there's a lot of slice of life TV shows from back then. If I try to watch now, I'd be like, I can't watch a lot, this. a lot of it does not hold up. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not sure Clarissa... Would Probably up. not, no. Yeah, and I loved Clarissa Explains yeah. It All, but I feel like if I try watching it now, I'm going to be bored. Right. Really bored. Right. This, and, you, and you'd feel bad. You'd be like, stop being mean to Ferguson. Exactly. Oh, it's, like you're, it's a completely different perspective now. Yeah. You know? I, so, I, yeah, that's interesting, the, the eternal question about these kind of things is, like, how much of this is nostalgia? But, like, I don't know. I, I think, I think we, could, we, could, we could do a test audience. Yeah, we I need mean, to find some children to make them watch the show. <laughs> yes, we need to do a children react to Pete and Pete. But yeah, kids know. react to Pete and Pete. Yeah, that would be. There's just so much in Pete and Pete that I feel like, okay, yeah, at one sense you can be, you need to be a kid still to watch this. On the other sense, there are things in there you wouldn't catch because you're a kid. Like I wouldn't. The Rosebud reference was funny because I know now what that's referencing. Mm. When I was a kid. Hell no, I didn't know what the hell that was, but I would have been like, okay, on, 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 an, on another level, like, do kids pick up on the surrealness? Like, I think, because I think we were describing it, like, Josh and I was like, well, yeah, we but, know this is funny, and it is funny, but it's like, what, what, why, like, this show is weirdly structured. Like, that was why one of the reasons when we were deciding to come back to it, like, I knew and remembered, like, this show was weird, and I didn't get it. Like, I did not get it. There was something that was beyond me when I was a kid and trying to watch it. Which is, you know, kind of weird because it seems in my wheelhouse because, like, The Critic is, like, one of my favorite shows of all time. But you had the self-awareness to know that. Yeah, I had enough to go. Like, I am not there yet to get this show, but, you know, The Critic came after it and The Critic was, like, 100% my deal. So, one thing with uh, Pete and Pete that I was just thinking of relating to that is I would say a lot of things that, at least when I... When that show was on, you know, I was like 10. I mean, for me, like, big things was like Artie. You know, Artie was... I mean, I still fight the ocean to this very day <laughs> because and of fight Artie. the queen bee. I'll get you a stinky bee. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, like, Artie antics were, like, 
a Great. big reason yeah. to watch the show. And a kid will get like, you know, if they're watching uh, Summer Vacation, they'll understand the bit. At least with Mr. Tasty, like he disappeared. He's not serving ice cream anymore. You know, they're not going to get the ethical implications of looking through somebody's uh, pictures at the photo map, <laughs> but they will understand. Oh, it's a search. We got to find him. You know, what do you do? Any? Oh, come? we we didn't even miss mention Mr. Scrummy. Mr. Scrummy. Mr. Scrummy is uh, REM's uh, Michael Stipe. Yes. Whoa. And, um, yeah. And uh, his all right. Uh, his wife, uh, Mr. Tasty's wife, was uh, I can't remember her name now. Uh, the lady from the B fifty twos. Oh, whoa! Oh. I can't remember her name. That's I can't either, man. But... There's an episode with Iggy Pop in it. Yes, Iggy Pop was in it, and they have a really great cast. Uh, oh God, that the cast is definitely. I'm remembering that lady from that Leonard. Leonard, where'd you go, Leonard? <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, so. No. Oh, this weird show is so weird. Like, I, I'm I'm with Sabrina. Like, even watching it now, like, it's something that I super appreciate, but I don't know if I'll go back and watch more just because it's almost like opening up a time capsule. Like, it's just something you, you can, don't know. You can you can grab in every once in a while and take a look and go like, oh, that's so odd, and then, like, come back to it later, grab some more, I, and go I, like... I think, thankfully, and for, to his credit, like, it did get canceled, but I think mm. as a result, like, it kept it, like, short and sweet. It didn't wear out his welcome. Yeah, it's no, not a Simpsons. I, no, jeez. No no show is as zombie as the Simpsons, but, like, yeah, so Pete and Pete is, a, is, a, is nice because it's, like, a known quantity, and, like, yeah, it's... You can it's always, all up on YouTube. Yes. You can go and you can go and watch all of it. Yeah, know. there's just a the, channel called Pete Pete that has it all. The, the Halloween episode, I don't know why that always stuck with me. And I also I'm probably gonna go back and watch Nightcrawlers again because that's Night, a great one. Nightcrawlers was see, I, I was always thinking because like I was kind of like in between ages when this show came out. Like even though I was supposed to be like I think I don't know what Danny Temporelli's birthday is. But I'm I'm pretty sure like he's my age. Like Big Pete was a little older, you know. So even though I feel like I was supposed to be identifying more with Little Pete, I always felt more in tune with Big Pete. Like the shop episode. Like that's one where I do wish we had the ability to talk about for a little bit. But you know, watching that when I was a kid versus watching it now, I totally 100% get it now. You know what you know Pete Big Pete being in shop and like I kind of went through that (laughs) everybody sort of goes through that where they're like they're going through the motions you know they just you know between people saying things and he's just not giving it his all and you know he comes to realize you know what the shop teacher is trying to do and you know that kind of stuck with me so that's one thing the show kind of had an impression on me you know going through the years was Understanding what the shop teacher was trying to do, you know that episode we wouldn't have been able to mine a lot of funny stuff from, but uh, you know just that's that's the sort of stuff that I pulled from the show and still remember to this day. All right, Dan, last words last before words. we before we put Pete to Pete to bed. A purple monkey dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say. You know, if you just want some food for thought, something to think about, because I will say, even though both of you guys, you know, coming back from it, you're coming back from a different place than I came back from it, it still gave you something to think about. And I bet if you went back and watched Das Bus or some of the other, you know, notable episodes, 
you know, it's not a laugh out loud funny show most of the time. It's a it's a thinker kind of show, and we have more shows like that on TV now, where we have these thinker kinds of shows that are funny in some ways, like they're darkly funny or other things. And I think Pete and Pete was that kind of way for kids. Like, you know, uh, are you guys watching Better Call Saul? No, no. We, 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 we are the weirdest people in the world because we did not follow um, the show that came before, uh, Breaking Bad. You don't Bad, have but. to follow Breaking Bad to enjoy Better Call Saul. Is Better Call Saul on its own? Like yeah, you can, well, oh. I mean, it's related, but I honestly think Better Call Saul is the better show. Hmm. Wow, and that's pretty... I mean, I didn't watch Breaking Bad because I had no interest in the concept or... The or thought. even with, did you watch Mad Men? Uh, I started to, but then I kept getting really mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, something about all these dames. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, I, it, I get that. I mean, I liked it because I liked seeing the style. The costumes were great. The story was interesting. But yeah, I just, that's, I just kept getting mad at how the women were being treated. That's and, the point. Uh, that's what it's supposed to I do. I know, but it just it made me so mad. Oh. Like I couldn't watch. It. I, 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 no, I, I totally understand that. Like I. The show is like, yeah, Don Draper is like, he's like not a cool guy. He, I mean, Don Draper not, is not a person to emulate. No, it's not no, no, a no. bad show. It's really good. I appreciate it. And like I said, I appreciate Like I really started watching it because I was really interested in watching the fashion, the set designs. I just really wanted to see them bring a period back to life. And I know the show did a really good job. Yeah. And the acting is great. But like I... It's, it's that's sad that, that guy. That guy just kept making me really mad. Yeah, it's just sad that that era is so bound up, and this show and its picture is so bound up in the just like terrible sexism that goes on. But it's so. they do a very good job at pointing out why it's terrible. And yeah. also, yeah. I believe over time, like as time changes, like mm. the world yeah, changes. I really want to see that because I do know they go into the the sixties and seventies, and there's some more freedom. And yeah, like, and I, I like, and I kind of see that, especially in like the costume design with that. But like, I have to get to that part and there's like how many seasons of but it's a it's a thing that I, a bunch of shows are doing today where they're not depending on you to do something just incredibly it's they're not trying to force you to laugh essentially well right. but what i'll say is it's not reality tv it's, it's not, not just sitting there and turning your brain off while people react it's it's it's, it's there's something else there it's, yeah. yeah it's not a straight drama either Right. Right. So, like, with Better Call Saul, like, what I keep thinking of is the joke where uh, Jimmy gets his new car, and he's got his mug, this coffee, travel coffee mug that says, like, number one lawyer on it, and he's trying to put it fit in the cup holder of the old car perfectly. He goes to put it in his new car, and it will not fit. No matter what he does, it will not fit. And after the scene of him trying to force it in there, he gives up, and he goes, it must be metric. You know, just this complete deadpan delivery. Okay, of this joke. And I mean, it's my kind of joke because it's not something that's intended to be a kind of funny. It's just, it is, it's funny. Well, you either. If you've worked on cars, you get like, ah. Yes, well, that's a joke because, but even then. And then you like go, ah, you claw your way under the car and you go back to the shop and get the other set of of sockets. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, they're. They're expecting you as the audience to have the ability to think about it for a sec. They and, don't handhold you with the joke. And if a joke doesn't land, it doesn't land. It, well, they just they don't 
they're not going to take the moment to sit there and dwell on the joke. Right. right? They There's just no... go and move on. Like with the rosebud. Yeah. Because they do it exactly like that. It's not commented on anymore. It just goes and it's done. It's the same thing with the roadkill bingo. It's like with the dinosaur and the lobster. Very quick mm-hmm. visual joke. Yes. Like... Very quick visual joke. If you miss it, you've missed it. You won't see it again until you rewatch the episode. But yeah. they're depending on the fact that you are interacting with it, with your brain, you know, that you're thinking about it. You know, it's the whole, <laughs> what, your brain did. It, what your brain did, you know. <laughs> That's what they, they're expecting that to do. And for a 90s show, you know, they were very ahead of, our, of their time. A lot of shows were doing it, and a lot of shows still aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, shows are getting better about it. You know, but it's still, you know, you're only finding that in stuff that's maybe, you know, more auteur, like a Better Call Saul or a Mad Men, you know, right. something. I mean, cartoons are starting to do it now, too, you know, to a degree yes. that, you know, cartoons might have the ability to do that. Um, of course, I'm completely blanking right now, but stuff in like We Bear Bears. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, as San Francisco yeah. people, you guys, certainly you guys watch that show. We, we watch, yeah, we watch it as much as we can. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they have the same kind of thing. It will be, <laughs> but uh, with Ice Bear, you yeah, know, like they have that sort of thing with it, or they do the Tote Life. I, I keep thinking like making like Tote Life tote bags to sell at conventions. <laughs> I, the thing is, like, I know it's wicked funny, but I don't think anybody. It'd be like, you'd sell like 20. And five. I, yeah. Just five. I, I think you should do like a Kreb, like a Kreb brand laser stand or something. <laughs> no, again, Kreb stand. No, I have a lot of ideas that I could do that nobody would buy. Right. All right, Dan. Well, we, we unfortunately need to cut it off. Alas. We've hit, nearly hit two hours on yeah. this one. You're going to have a real job editing this one down. No, I'm not editing crap on you this need, one. You need, you, I thought this, that was your new bit you were going to edit. Yeah, no. You got this fancy recording thing. That's why I have the fancy recording thing. It does it for me. Well, so well, it cuts out all of my is and ahs. Well, <laughs> no, no, I just normally, I just use it. No, normally I, we just record for an hour and then we end the show. But so. <laughs> well, see, the problem is you always you when you have me on the show, you always run long anyway. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I mean, it's because we've done that. We've done shows that are more or less like easy to get through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is fun. All right, so let me go ahead and do some uh, work real quick. Uh, first off, we do have our very first Patreon subscriber. Yes. Thank you very much our, to Item Crafting. Our first, if if you are if you are a real person, you are awesome. Uh, they they responded to me on Twitter, oh, so they cool. do exist. All right, Hooray. You have you have awesome. you have passed the Patreon. Uh, what is it? The test from Blade Runner. They do have uh, they do have a YouTube. They are also at Item Crafting on Twitter. Well, well, you are our new favorite human. So uh, they are. They definitely. Are there. Do they get a special title since they're our first? Yes, they human? actually will. They okay. will be. They will be very special. I'll make sure that item crafting uh, becomes immortalized. Uh, supposedly, Dan is going to be one of our other Patreons. As soon as my internet works, <laughs> that, by the time you're listening to this, it will have happened. So well, that, right. then you two could go over that. That's going to be Sat Friends Club over on Patreon. Just toss us if you like the show. Just toss like the 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 minimum. I only have it as a dollar right now. If you think this is worth a dollar a month, and you know, I'd I'd, yeah. I'd hope so. And you can legitimately say that the show was brought to you by listeners like me. Now, and, <laughs> and the benefit is, is if we ever you know go down the route of having like you know having to do the terrible like 
we have to have out advertising because we need more equipment and stuff like that. The Patreon feed will always be ad-free and stuff like that, and we have the bonus content of us rambling, so there's going to be extra goodness on there. I have to say the, the pre-show for this was quite good. Oh, yeah, we, we went like 30 <laughs> minutes on that, too. Our, yeah. our pre-show is never rated, so be warned. Yeah. And not edited at all. We took bathroom breaks during this pre-show. Oh, yeah. It was all, yeah great. And the great content. Um, it's the award-winning content that got us where we are today, Josh. I know. It's, you know, <laughs> the the world-renowned Saturday Friends Club. The French uh, of Club. like <laughs> French Club. French Club. Yeah. Uh, all right. If you want, uh, you can follow us over on Twitter at Sat Friends Club. Um, and, uh, well, go ahead, Dan. Where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Kefka Floyd. Huh. Um, you can find me at various websites where I sell things like Etsy.com slash shop slash Kefka Floyd. On my DeviantArt, like kefkafloyd.deviantart.com, or maybe look at some of my airplanes at dvincentphotography.com. Yeah. All those things. Uh, so Airplanes. Yeah. Airplanes. What about you, Sabrina? You can find me at McBirdieDirty on Twitter. Yeah. And I'm, I've been relegated to maintaining the show's Twitter account. Which would be good once I can finally give you the login for it. All right. Well, we could do that. Yep. Uh, and finally, I, wa- I, I haven't been doing this lately, and I really need to get back into the habit of it. But I want to give a thank out to you, the welcoming and wonderful fan who is listening to this show. Thank you very much. Even, you know, even if you're not subscribing, even if you are, you know, we love the fact that you're listening to this show. If you yes. are picking this up somewhere, and even if you can't do the Patreon, if you could go to whatever subscription service, be iTunes or something, hit the five-star Leave a review if you are able and capable. It helps us out so, so much yes. in getting the word out um, because we just want we want to make a good show, and the more traction that we can get on that, the better this will all be. And, and, and we are material beings, and we enjoy interacting with other material beings. Please like feel free to hit us up on Twitter. If you just want to say words of encouragement or like, hey, I like this episode, or hey, you guys were totally wrong. And I'm, Call us out, yeah. Yeah, if we if you want to start a flame war, I can ob- oblige. He's very good. At that. If you want to have an argument about different weapons, we like can, we can come. If you want to come here, you can fight me. Apparently, like comment some slurp. Yep. Uh, all right, Dan. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for a long time friend. Uh, we can finally put Pete and Pete to bed. Yep. Um, Although uh, Sabrina and I still have to do uh, Sailor Moon stuff at some point. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> I think she's excited. Yeah, because uh, there were there was a lot uh, there was a lot of boys in this episode fighting from something that star daylight. Star, who knows? He's thinking of the deep dubs. Uh, <laughs> there's a viz dub now, man. I don't. What? I don't. What is this See, about? It's I, about I, girls fighting things. I don't get it. It's about I'm, friendship and the strength and numbers and the fact that you can do whatever you want to do. I don't need put... no man. <laughs> except, except that one. No, like, I don't need him okay. either. He well, no, everybody knows that the true miracle romance is Ami and Makoto. Hashtag cookbook. Okay, I don't think I got that far into Sailor Moon. It's, uh, Sailor and Jupiter and Sailor Mercury. You know. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think I got far enough where they were actually together. They weren't actually together. It's all shipping. Yeah. But I thought 
secretly in the Japanese version they, they kind well they kind of wrote them that way and they put a lot of hints in the show yeah but then in the well in wasn't the, there the like dub, Uranus, they kept you know saying what? that they were like we gotta no, end this episode thinking, no, no. We, you're I'm thinking, sorry we cannot let shipping tear this <laughs> she's thinking apart. of Neptune and Uranus yes Neptune oh. and Uranus all right we gotta we gotta go before we fall down this hole uh, thank you all for <laughs> the Saturday Friends hole. Club uh, we will catch you next time thank you all for listening uh, we will catch you next episode whatever the hell that's gonna be oh yeah we actually settle on that one yeah we haven't uh, we'll, we'll figure that out anyway thank you all we love you all sleep well everyone good night Bye. everybody good night tip your waitress <laughs>